In the most divisive of times, the great debates rage on. Who was the best Batman? Was the book truly better than the movie? Did Han shoot first? Nerds with opinions will seek to answer life's greatest questions. Hello there, fellow nerds. You are listening to Nerds with Opinions, episode number 132. As always, I'm your host, Matt Holden. Today on the podcast, I am joined by returning guests, Brandon Kester, Jimmy Levins, Amanda Murphy, and Rachel Herzog, as we review in depth with spoilers, so spoiler warning ahead, Scream 6. The movie's been out for quite a while now, so I think this is totally acceptable to be getting into spoilers and if you haven't watched it, just watch it real quick and then come check out this episode. But if you have, we're going to go really in-depth. We're going to talk about this film as a whole and where it sits in the franchise as a whole and where we think this franchise is going. Here today on Nerds with Opinion, Scream 6, what's your favorite scary movie? Okay, let's do this thing. All right, so I am here with a in-person podcast recording, which is it's been a while. I haven't done a whole lot of these since like 2020. And all returning guests, uh, first Amanda Murphy, whoop whoop, Rachel Herzog, hello. Are you, are you waiting to I'm crack a, uh, a Chris boy? Just do it. There's just no, just do it. Just do no it. You should have done it before I hit record. Go ahead, should do it now. Wait for it. Beer ASMR. Yeah. <laughs> Brandon Kester. Howdy, howdy, howdy. And Jimmy Levins. Hello, welcome. Hello. Good to be back. So we are the Scream Squad. Which Scream if Squad. there wasn't if there was only like if there was more Scream movies, like maybe we could just have like a whole Scream Squad like podcast. Like uh but the Scream Squad is back. This is the same group that uh we did well now we've done a couple scream podcasts we've mm -hmm. uh talked about the whole franchise scream five we've talked about scream one um so naturally we had to keep it going for the new scream and we all went and saw it together uh in theaters and so before we get into like the kind of nitty-gritty and details and everything any initial initial thoughts and just it could just be even just like whether you enjoyed seeing this. It was a good continuation, I'd say. Yeah? Yeah, when the credits came up, I just thought, God, I love Scream movies. I will watch every single one of them. They're especially fun in a theater, too. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The more yeah. packed, the better. Yeah, I don't the... know if you saw this, but at some, some screenings, they had people scream at the screen to make the movie start it was like a, a decibel meter or something wait what yeah. interesting oh wow i think it was like an opening night gimmick thing it's kind wow. of like, yeah that's that's a fun interactive sort of thing huh that's cool yeah uh as with most screen movies i very much enjoy the uh nice balance of horror as well as laughter mm-hmm yeah i think that's i think that's what makes them accessible is that it's they're they're just very entertaining all the way around mm -hmm. um and I, so i think like heather really likes them as well and it isn't like a super 
you know, horror person. So I think, I, and Rachel, I think that that's fair to say with you as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's certain genres of horror and certain topics that I just can't touch. And Scream is not one of them. And it, it's always endearing when Ghostface takes a hard bump. <laughs> and if you're drinking in the theater like we were, and then you drink when Ghostface hits the ground, it's it's always fun. Little tangent on that though, I feel like this is maybe like the least clumsy Ghostface. No, yeah, there, there what? Yeah. I didn't know. Well, I maybe I have to watch it again, but I there wasn't anything that jumped out to me that was like, oh look at that doof, he's just yeah, falling he was, all over the place. Yeah, he was taking like bumps, but it wasn't as like goofy of like a oh he's yeah he's just like tripping around or something. It was like they were like legitimate bumps, like a oh. Oh, that's gotta hurt. <laughs> yeah, because I was waiting for that trope. Because it's, it, I mean, it was kind of there. It was kind of there, and like the ghost face. Every time there was a ghost face on on screen, like there was some kind of fighting back and like took some damage. But yeah, there wasn't like the kind of comical, um, you know, getting beat up. But I, I kind of, I kind of like that. I think that's a an endearing thing about Scream where. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes it stand out from other slashers, you know, that are usually more leaning towards the kind of like, you know, a completely like impenetrable sort of monster like Jason or Michael Myers. So, yeah, I think it's kind of a fun. The clumsiness definitely humanizes Ghostface for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although I think they kind of brought him back to being the sort of mastermind like he was in the first one of just messing with people. Um, especially those first couple sequences. I don't know if we're going well, to get into Yeah, no, actually, let's go to, let's go to, yes. So, and I'm going to put, we're going to have to get into spoilers. To yeah. Like, I mean, this would be like five minutes otherwise. Um, so we're, we're going to have spoilers and I'll put that in the intro. So this will not, I've been doing a lot of spoiler free pods, but this will not be that. <laughs> um, so let's actually get into the cold opening because that's a scream hallmark. Um, and this might be one of my favorites because yeah. it kind of melted my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, for the first time ever, there were like two different groups of killers and the first killers are revealed within minutes. Yeah. And Amanda and I, you and I were sitting next to each other and we we're like just losing our minds. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, what the fuck are they doing? Like all the rules are out the window. Dude takes his mask off. Guy from Grand Budapest Hotel, Flash Thompson <laughs> from Spider-Man. Don't know that actor's name. Um, He's in Willow, too. That's why I got excited. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, yeah. Tony Revolori. Oh, Tony Revolori. Uh, and he played, like, for the short little bit that he was on, on screen, he plays such a good dickhead. Like, he's a dickhead yes. in a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. And he was like, it was so obvious. He's like a slime ball within seconds. Not just that he like opens the movie by killing people, but (laughs) his whole like bond villain explanation of why he's doing what he's doing along with his buddy. is like so douchey. Um, So what do we think about that? Where seemingly the killers are revealed right off the bat and then quickly dispatched by what then become the other ghost face killer. That was a, 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 a completely new take. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I'll jump in. Uh, yeah. So I thought at first um, that they were doing a pretty poor job of actually baiting the first victim. It's like, this is pretty obvious what's going on here. Like, how, how does this victim not realize that she's being baited into this alleyway? And so I was, I was a little bit let down by how easy that kill was. But then they immediately turned it around. And it turns out that the killers are get killed. And he just plays them perfectly. 
um, you know, he he tells him, I think, to open up the refrigerator. Yeah. <laughs> and he finds his roommate's his severed a, head. Accomplice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When he thinks he's talking to the accomplice and then they're, yeah. they're like playing games. And I kind of liked the there was a little bit of like there was some homoerotic undertones with their relationship. Yeah. Like. I thought we said we were supposed to use the voice and they're kind of like playing this game. And it's like, and I, uh, to me, that was clearly a callback to Stu and Billy from the first one yeah. where like, you know, that there's definite like homoerotic undertones to their relationship. And, uh, so I, I think that's what they were going for, but yeah. So second, original killer we don't even really see him other than his head mm-hmm. so there were other parts in there too right yeah 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 um it's like a leg i thought that was i thought that was a smart move though because i don't really think especially since they're gonna just get rid of these original killers right off the bat like we only need one and it's fine that there's two and they like justify the reason why there's two but only having like one have dialogue i mm-hmm. think was was cleaner since they're just going to be killed. Mm -hmm. So the one dude being killed off camera worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't need all, well, I guess what would have ended up being five ghost face killers (laughs) to be. Well, technically there, there, there is five, but, uh, cause they, they kind of suggest that they're already like, they've already killed somebody. Right. Like they're outside of the teacher. Yeah. 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 So I remember Ghostface asking him how it felt though. Like what did it feel like? And so he's like describing the emotions that he was going through. Um, And then he finds the chopped up roommate and realizes that he's being fucked with. Yeah. I love that cold opening. I, like I said, I think it's one of my favorite ones they've had. Um, I mean, nothing beats the first one. Like that's like one of the greatest openings of any horror film. Um, But I thought this was really creative uh, and completely it, it flipped all my expectations uh, on on a Ted. So, yeah, and because they were obvious horror fans and had plans for what they were going to do to people. It was fun to kind of watch the background of that scene because the set was dressed really interestingly. So you get to look at all their posters and all of their knickknacks. And um, didn't you point out there was some like nesting dolls? Like yeah, they, yeah, nesting there were like dolls. ghost face nesting dolls along mm-hmm. the, um, right, the right. fireplace mantle. Yeah, so once once the phone call started, and I was like, oh, this guy's toast. I'm going to look at the background of the scene. It's <laughs> like, this man is fucked. <laughs> well, I liked the layers, too, which you don't know at that moment. And we, and we, won't, we don't have to get into this, like, fully right now because we'll talk about it. But the layers of the, their fans of Richie and then Richie, you know, posthumously plays a very important part into the ultimate reveal of who the killers are that they kill these goofballs in the, in the beginning that like, that's that kind of interweaving is just mm, so, so well written. Mm -hmm. So I really enjoyed that as well. Um, And then the fact that these guys are basically, because don't they, if I'm remembering correctly, um, Flash Thompson, he like, he says, the basically they're like they kill the teacher as like practice to then kill Sam and Tara because they're all at the same school. And yeah, they're like working up to it. Is right, and so I I also like that like that those two things intersect and that you know the people that want to really kill Sam and Tara are like no we're not gonna we're not gonna do that you're <laughs> you're fucking amateur you're done I enjoyed that. Uh, let's move on to New York as a setting, which is. 
we have there hasn't been a uh, a scream film in New York City. It isn't the first time that we've had a scream film outside of Woodsboro or in a city for that matter. Mm-hmm. But the largest the largest city for sure. It seems like they kind of like. Well, okay, no, I was gonna. No, I was about to say that like every other one, but then I guess they did two in a row that were outside of Woodsboro, then did two in a row that were in Woodsboro. So, um, never mind. <laughs> but, uh, obviously, though, what I was getting at was that they've they've kind of they seem to do that when they need to like shake things up. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest. When they first announced this movie, uh, I was like, okay, that that's interesting, cool, 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 and then. And we'll talk about this a little more in depth here in a minute. But when I was like, oh, and Nev Campbell's not going to be in it. I was like, "Ooh, New York and the star isn't in it. Like, mm-hmm. but for me, and I want to get everybody's opinion on this. The city thing really worked. There's some really mm-hmm. cool like set pieces. Um, I'm thinking like the the subway scene in particular was so good awesome yeah probably Um, my favorite scene in the movie yeah i think same for me the subway scene and then the whole piece about um uh sam the guy that sam is like i don't know dating whatever that's across that lives like in the apartment complex across the alleyway from them and so then there's that whole scene where they're like climbing from window to window like that wouldn't happen outside of a big city like we'll be talking about him in a little uh segment i like to call red herrings Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's that scene wouldn't even happen in la because they've done the third one in hollywood Mm -hmm. yeah scream goes hollywood was totally fun but uh new york is such a different environment i thought this was better handled too there's more opportunities for like different set pieces like you were saying like there's no close apartments and subways as much in west coast right because outside of the surfer three outside of the fact that like the majority of it takes place on a film set it's a film set of woodsboro Mm -hmm. It, it it's it doesn't feel like that big of a jump. I guess there is that opening where they kill where cotton gets killed. Like while he's dry, like when he's driving down the freeway and he goes home. So that's like, you know, they have the LA traffic thing, mm-hmm. but outside of that, like it doesn't feel super LA ish because if, if you remember also like Sydney's stuff, she's like doing the survivor hotline thing, like way out in the middle of nowhere, not like downtown mm-hmm. LA. Yeah. So where this movie felt like way more New York, like it, mm-hmm. it, I, I actually didn't look up where they, where they filmed it. Cause you know, sometimes New York is yeah. like Vancouver. Well, it's like yeah. how Oregon's usually Canada, like you said. Yeah. Right. Um, Maybe we should check that out. You on yeah, that, Brennan? Brennan's on it. Okay. Yeah, but I, I'm he's with you, man. I think that's where the directors did a really smart decision. Kind of, I think because they know, at least, especially with y'all in the room who are a lot more uh, fan, fan, fandos and then like uh, into the whole series, there's kind of that sense of not just mixing things up, like you said, but also kind of you want to get some people who are too familiar, unfamiliar, kind of like get your kind of like get, get a little more un. Uh, familiar territories right and even because most of the characters you kind of already know from the first movie you don't really need to put them in the same town like you can also mm-hmm. put more emphasis on the environment on the newer characters and on the set pieces because you kind of already introduced the characters mm-hmm. so they can put more writing on these things which is i think a smarter move i think well and yeah. with gail being one of the only legacy characters in this 
you know, they already kind of established she's working in New York in Scream 5 mm-hmm. doing that like mm-hmm. morning show. So, frankly, I think in terms of everybody kind of coming to where she's at, even though, you know, they're kind of, uh, (laughs) they have a (laughs) disgruntled relationship at the beginning of this film. Um, I think that makes more sense than her doing the kind of like, okay, Sydney, let's, we got to go back to Woodsboro and stop this. Um, yeah, I do think that that makes some more sense. And then also it makes sense that, um, Tara would have wanted to leave, 100% 100% where she was mm-hmm. so yeah. um so like yeah justifiable. and she's like okay across the country I go <laughs> sounds good to me it also allows the filmmakers to explore another just filmmaking trope of New York as a character in a film mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that mm-hmm. yeah. and there's of course some subtle callbacks to other horror films at New York too of course like uh of course like as you know like Friday 13 oh like, the subway yeah. scene was totally yeah, yeah. especially yeah. with the fact that um that the the thing that's trying to swerve our protagonists is that there are multiple people dressed up as Ghostface because it's Halloween, and right. then but then they also did like the kind of Easter egg thing of like, oh, there's a Freddy, there's a mm-hmm. you know, there's this horror character. Um, I think they were definitely like, okay, hardcore slasher fans are also going to be like, this kind of feels like Jason takes Manhattan. So yeah, I loved that. Yeah, um, I also really liked in terms of the setting. Uh, and they had this in the trailer, so I was expecting it, but the whole bodega scene I thought was really great too. And I mean, that's definitely very much like a, a New York thing. And it, it felt like a New York bodega. It was one of the few times that Ghostface kind of felt like he'd lost control of the situation too, when they escaped and got into the bodega and he had to just like pivot. Well, he resorts to using a shotgun. What did you all think about that? I kind of had mixed feelings on it. But I was a little confused because I, I literally su- was sitting there and I'm like thinking, wait a minute, am I like I had like a whole Mandela effect moment where I was kind of questioning, have I seen him use a shotgun before? Like it, this whole kind He's, of yeah. The so they've definitely used guns, mm-hmm. uh, but it's usually handguns. Mm-hmm. I think this is the first time a shotgun's been in play. Yeah, more, more of aggressive sound. I'm, yeah, yeah, and I was okay with it because he didn't enter the scene with a shotgun, he took yes. it from the shopkeeper. Mm-hmm. And right. so yeah. it-, it made, Oh, I would have hated it if it yeah, was- Yeah, it made yeah. more say, yeah. So I was okay with it because he didn't go in yet. He, did, he didn't have it initially. He got it, like the shopkeeper threatened him with it and he took it away from the shopkeeper mm-hmm. and then used it because it was convenient. And like Brandon was saying, like things were kind of getting away from oh, yeah. him. He was, he was kind of just like <laughs> spray and pray, like last, last ditch effort to try and get these guys. So what about- in instances, though, because, I mean, it even happens in the latter part of this film with, like, handguns, which is definitely, like, it was in the last one, it's in the first one. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that with Ghostface? Because, personally, I don't hate it, but, I don't know, my Ghostface, I think I, I like the classic knife. I, in, I uh, in the first one, did we see Ghostface with the mask on and a gun, or was it... It was. Yeah. I think it's when they reveal themselves. Yeah. B- billions too. It's a, and the yeah, guns definitely in the, play. Yeah, the last scene like of that that movie, the guns in play, and they're using it before they reveal themselves. But it's like right up. Before it's in two as well because they shoot Billy's mom That's right. and Mickey with guns that yeah. that, that the killers had that Sydney and Gail. Got. And it was in the Gale gets shot in that. It was in the last one too, Scream Five, right? In the yep. hospital. Yeah. And then there, yeah, there's there's guns in play in like the the ending too, because remember mm-hmm. uh the the last swerve 
on whether or not okay is it Richie he gets shot and he's like you That's fucking right. shot me yeah. he's like hiding in the closet <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, anyways, what's what's everybody's thoughts on that? Well, it feels like they always start with the best laid plans, like, I'm Ghostface. I'm going to use a knife the entire time. Oh, shit. Everything's going horribly. Let's pick up this gun. It, okay. I didn't think about it like that, but like, that makes sense. I thought it felt natural. Yeah, it, it escalates well. Mm-hmm. Also, it felt like that bodega scene started like, okay, we're in New York. What are we going to have? We're going to have a subway scene. We're going to have a bodega scene. And yeah. if we get to this bodega, of course, the shopkeeper is going to have a shotgun. And of course, New York. <laughs> yeah. And of course, Ghostface is going to disarm the shopkeeper and kill them with their own shotgun. And then what's he going to do? He's not going to drop the shotgun and start stabbing people. He's going to keep it with him. Yeah. So the- that all felt very obvious. I agree with that. The writing definitely didn't. I don't think it deviated outside of what would be in you know, that setting. Mm-hmm. I think that definitely playing up the whole kind of like what they both said is the fact that characters kind of react in the situation. Make you make so you remind that, oh right, they're a human villain. Cause like because we don't really know who they are till the end, really. The only kind of personality we get between the different ghost faces is not just their body language or their like, whoop, there's like their kind of accidents, but usually like the <laughs> they should just dub the whole movie that way. Like um like a Jerry Lewis scream, like um, but no, but like uh you get kind of the personality of who the killer is based on how they're attempting to kill the main characters. Yeah. Because each one has a different motive, as we've noticed, and handles it differently. Uh, this one, this one, they felt a little experienced yet over their head at the same time. Well, uh, that makes yeah. sense once it's revealed. And mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk about yeah. that. And and because of the, that reveal, some of the the handgun stuff, especially, totally tracks. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. But um, you just made me realize one thing that I want. And maybe either I need to do it or hopefully just putting it out here. Somebody on YouTube will do this. There needs to be a goofy ghost face falling down super cut to like the Benny Hill music. (laughs) (laughs) That needs to exist. It has to exist. It has to exist. It's a Wiley Coyote. Yeah, or like goofy. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be Benny Hill music, I guess. But like that has to or like. Curb your enthusiasm music or something like that. That has to exist. Yeah, yeah. Any, stinker. And if it doesn't, we're putting it out of the world. Brandon, did you ever find out where they filmed the? Yes, Montreal. Oh, okay. So we at least got the country right. Yeah. Okay, that tracks. I mean, so it, so yeah, it that tracks in terms of it felt. Eastern, it didn't because mm-hmm. I was yeah. like, this doesn't Very necessarily because usually like Vancouver is a little, it, it it always kind of looks greenish. Like I think it works better when if it's used in films like, oh, this is Seattle, <laughs> or like yeah. you said, this is Portland, mm-hmm. because yeah. everything that I've seen that's done in Vancouver, like a lot of X Files was done in Vancouver, and oh, they'll yeah. be like, we're in Washington D.C. It's like that does not look like Washington <laughs> D.C. Yeah, it doesn't look nearly humid enough to be so, Washington D.C. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, hopefully they don't they don't go too far and being like we're in Arizona or yeah, right. I've noticed though, it seems like stuff that's filmed in like Toronto or Montreal, like it, I think it tracks for like East mm-hmm. Coast United States. So yeah. okay, um, all right, let's talk about. Our core four. So our they've really kind of I mean, obviously, like Sam and Tara are the leads, mm-hmm. but they've really kind of pushed and especially in this one, um, the twins the as like from side characters to like main cast, I yeah. would say, mm-hmm. and really like locked in that whole. I mean, they named him in this core four. Mm hmm. 
and really establish it as like they're a group. Um, so I would love to get everybody's thoughts on like how their dynamics are, you know, in this film, what everybody thought of that and where should they go with this? Because personally, I thought one of them needed to die. And I I think that's maybe one critique I have on this film Mm -hmm. is there's like not enough stakes for like the main cast. Like none of them died. Um, And I think it should have been one of these kids, but let's talk about the core four. Well, I was saying on the car ride over here, it subverted our expectations that they all survived. You're so right. it was, yeah. Yeah. you know, I definitely expected one or both of the twins to bite it in this film. And, and they they lead you down that road oh, yes. hard. It's uh, twice, two movies in a row. That guy has gotten stabbed Chad, in the stomach. Right? Chad, yeah. and yeah. then... Um, <laughs> yeah, Mr. Immortal himself. His sister. <laughs> his I, why do I want to say Chad. Tanya? I don't think uh, that's Mindy? Mindy. Mindy. Mindy and yeah. Chad. Dude, I was way uh, off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Chad, I definitely like I still I think so. I think that's where it kind of at that that ending the um, not to like jump the gun, but like the way that things kind of wrapped up and ended pulled me out of it a little bit because there were fatal wounds that nobody was acknowledging. (laughs) So I was like, I mean, like Chad obviously went away in an ambulance and but like I was like, that dude should not have survived what happened to him. Um, And then like that one too. Tara walks away with like a gut wound, like doesn't even put her in an ambulance. Yeah. So like, yeah, there's there were pieces of that that kind of oh, pulled yeah. me out. People have died of less in the previous movies than what they went yeah. through. Mm-hmm. It's they they hold the key to like something. It's just like the fact that they're just basically the most immortal characters that have probably uh, been the series. Well, yeah. So and that's why I wanted to bring bring up bring it up because. Uh, it's I think it's unusual for an entire group like a, yeah. an ensemble cast to have plot armor. Yeah, well, because um, I figure I expected Tara and Sam to have plot armor coming from the last one. And I was not surprised in the slightest that they both made it out of this one. But I was yeah. really surprised. Um, and we'll talk about legacy characters. Mm-hmm. I was really surprised about Gail. And I was really surprised about the twins um, yeah. surviving because I guess I didn't view them as if I was writing it characters that I would put that heavy a plot armor. Cause you're right. There was like both the twins are like, they receive pretty mortal wounds. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm wondering if some of that emphasis was put on them because there weren't as many legacy characters in this one. So they were trying to like build up some more like characters making their own legacy to create characters? more legacy characters. If they're not going to be able to get, yeah. you know, the same people back to, so that to continue that the next it. one that they're going to be in danger in the next one because they've established them as legacy now. And then so now maybe in the next one, one, mm-hmm. one of them might not make it through. Yeah. So let's be a little bit honest here. They're both very attractive people. They got to mm-hmm. keep them around for the sequels. Well, and now I, I kind of wonder, so when they established that uh, Tara and Chad are romantically connected now, which I love. I like yeah. they're super cute together. That. I I dug that, but I thought, oh, he's so dead. Yeah, yeah. he's so Same. dead. Yeah, because I, I thought, okay, they're gonna call back to like every time, like because I mean they already did it in the last one with Sam and Richie. Like every yeah. time a female protagonist in these like get attached to somebody, they they die. Mm-hmm. Which maybe they're saving that for the next one. Um, but then now, so I guess they must be viewing it as like, well, now we've, we just kind of saw the beginning of this relationship. We need to kind of like see it out a little bit story-wise, which I'm fine with that. But in my mind, it would have been like, well, 
Sorry, Mindy, you gotta go. Yeah, well, because of that, there were surprisingly few like act deaths, like you know, like character deaths that you're following, you know, and so yeah. like it, I mean, other than the actual people who turn out to be bad guys, there's very few actual character deaths, and like there are some really really good scenes that I can't call death scenes because they they ended up just being wounded scenes. <laughs> yeah, so it makes your your question of what's our favorite kill like hard because uh, yeah. not a lot of people like, die. The bodega guy, I yeah, guess. Yeah, the body count was interesting. It, it, I think they seem to be going more for quality over quantity in terms of like, it was, mm-hmm. it was pretty violent. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. But, definitely. and I... We honestly, we could we could transition into this. And one of the later points I I had to talk about were, were the survivors and what what I like to dub uh, body count characters because there were people introduced that were like merely there for cannon fodder. They were oh, yes. there was no plot development. Um, Mindy's girlfriend um, Anika, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and she's one of my favorite deaths, by the way. But yeah, yeah. And so we can talk. We can transition into that because I think it's worth talking about. Um, Clearly, yeah, what they they established and introduced some characters that if they weren't going to be main cast and they weren't going to be then revealed as a killer later, that they were just cannon fodder. And again, I I, that is I think I'm going to give it a bit of a critique on that. For me, I think it would have been more impactful, like, holy shit, they killed Gail Weathers or holy shit, they killed off one of the main kids. Um, or even Kirby for that matter. And I love her. I didn't, I'm glad that she didn't die, but I, it would have made sense to me. I definitely expected either Gail or Kirby to die. Yeah. Um, if not both. Yeah. It did feel like Kirby was just there to be a red herring the whole time. Basically. She definitely was. Oh, well, we'll we'll get into that, but certainly. So do you think, do you think that, um, that some of the impact of like these deaths were kind of softened because it's like, well, I mean, that that was really gnarly to like see, but I don't even barely know this person. Then they maybe needed somebody that was a little more of an emotional death like Dewey in the last one. Well, but that one was particularly rough. I feel like that one almost can't be compared to unless it's Sydney or Gale because he's. But they could have went there, though. They could have and they chose not to for whatever reason. But. Maybe if Gail had gone this one this time, it would have felt like they were just copying what happened to Dewey last time rather than it pursuing something new. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. if if in each of these latter ones, we kill one legacy character and then create some more legacy characters just to kill them off, that that would have cheapened the experience potentially because they kept so many people around this time. Maybe if they do make a seventh one, they're just going to kill absolutely everyone. <laughs> I have a theory regarding her and I'm going to, I wanted to talk about her attack and survival. So maybe this is just a good segue. Yeah. Gail's you mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it was very interesting that she was barely alive. And they're like, Oh, we found a weak pulse. And then we never really see her after that, but then they just get confirmation like, oh, she, you know, she's okay. She's in the she hospital. I have a theory. I wonder if they were going to kill her off. And when then they found out that they couldn't get Nev Campbell, they're probably like, oh, we, need to, <laughs> yeah. we need to keep the one Maybe. legacy character we have. I mean, Kirby is, but not as much as, as Gail. I mean, yeah. Gail's been in every single one. I Again, that's just speculation. That's but. totally possible. Because, I mean, like, yeah, they, just, like, the, the way that scene went, like, I, 
definitely expected Gail to. I was like, well, this is it. Uh, rip Gail. Like, <laughs> yeah, because even though even though she had that line of like, tell Sydney I survived or, mm-hmm. or I, I fought I, like I fought back like or something that. like yeah. that. Either they still could have. She still could have died after mm-hmm. that, or that easily could have been a reshoot thing where they're like, okay, we were going to kill her off. Let's go back and keep it open-ended and confirm that, you know, she's going to survive. Uh, it just felt strange that the, like, like you were saying, all these characters have horrible, horrible wounds and they have a reunion sans Gale. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Just a theory. Yeah. I and I mean, you're right. It, it is odd that she survives, but we still don't see her for the rest of the movie. Um, and I just like with the way that, that fight went down and like how um kind of gnarly it is and how much she has to fight back like it felt like an ending fight you know like because they, they usually make the characters fight back really hard when they're about to kill them so um, yeah like you kind of you're going out on your shield so to right. speak and i that's kind of thought where i thought it was going mm-hmm. so yeah not saying that i think she should have died but it's that's just, that's not a that's not a bad theory though that they had to pivot because they couldn't get Nev, and then we're like, well, yeah. we can't kill the one legacy character we did get, so. Yeah, she's the only one that doesn't, like, stump back into frame at the very end of the movie. Hello, I survived. I'm on a lot of painkillers. <laughs> <laughs> like, everybody does that except for Gail. Right. So that's a good thought that she just wasn't around. So each person here at the table, if you were backseat riding this, would you, A, leave it alone, they did the right thing, B, kill a new school character and if so who or c kill a legacy character and if so who or the d option you can kill a new school character and a legacy character and if so who who would like to go first um i would do both b and c i would kill a new character which i would have killed i don't either of the twins probably mindy just because if they are trying to set up the chad tara thing for like a later hit then their relationship wasn't you still have to pull her heart out of her chest exactly yeah <laughs> like their relationship wasn't well enough established yet for that to have as big of an impact as it could so like they gotta wait a little longer drag that one out more so yeah i probably would have um killed mindy off and then yeah i i definitely would have killed uh gail like i mean i i it's hard to say because i really like gail's character and i want to see her in more of them but just with the way that that whole movie progressed and like that particular fight scene i would have just i would have seen majorly up the stakes okay Mm -hmm. okay i would have probably kept it the same because i kept expecting people to die and then was well, not pleasantly surprised, just straight surprised that they survived. Like, uh, I mean, Chad is almost literally ripped away from uh, Tara's mm-hmm. kiss and stabbed repeatedly in the stomach. Mm-hmm. And uh, which Mindy, was good. Which that, was good. Was, was very, yeah, a yeah, very, very powerful moment. But that's yeah. also when I was like, dude's dead. Yeah, <laughs> thought that dude was dead. So that was a surprise to see him on a stretcher at the end. Um, Mindy is fulfilling her uncle Randy's role of explaining the rules and then mm-hmm. promptly dying, except she doesn't twice. Mm-hmm. You expect her to fill that role and then doesn't be killed and right. hasn't for two movies. So that was unexpected. And I just I'm kind of enjoying the fact that I keep expecting things and then not receiving them. So even though that means that the body count is lower, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily a less effective horror movie. 
because the violence is still there and the attacks are still there, but the people are still around to experience potentially more horror in the future. Okay, so you like so, the subversion. Okay. Yeah, I like I like not I, I mean this is the sixth one. I like being surprised still. That's by fair. The sixth yeah. installment of a series. I'll admit before after I initially saw the fifth one, before Chorus Jenna Ortega blew up and became like really famous. Oh, I was expecting Megastar. Yeah, I was expecting like okay when I saw her come on the screen, I'm like, I vaguely recognize her. She'll probably get die in the next movie. Mm-hmm. And then she got so popular and famous i'm like thinking i literally kept thinking oh wait a minute are they gonna rewrite the arc to make her a more main character and kill off the main sister of course that wouldn't be the case because the whole movie they didn't really introduce any like newer characters that you feel like could carry on so i'm like okay maybe they won't kill off anyone. oh but, yeah certainly not yeah if they did though chad makes the most sense or and gail like because they have, but then i think like kind of like what rachel said i think the subversion is basically not killing any main character um because mm. i think there might be hot might, might mean there might be more higher stakes in the next film because of it i think there has to be there has to be, yes. yeah, they either has to be or they're gonna have to stop yeah because yeah. at this rate if mindy's kind of the stand-in for the the person who explains the rules they need her to carry on chad at the beginning yeah mm-hmm. At least, in the at least at the, till the beginning of the yes. movie. Explain the rules and then Didn't she's fair game. they have a different guy <laughs> in the beginning of this one that was explaining the rules, though? Wasn't there some dude that was... Uh, no, like she a, definitely no, was, was did. It, her? Okay. it was her. Like, yeah, they were in the because, quad and they were all sitting yeah. down. And one of my favorite parts was that she was like, and you, sweetie, you're mm-hmm. also a suspect. Mm-hmm. Hey, well, maybe that's she, the guy that she was talking to. She does like, the oh, no, sequel to the requel yes. rules where yeah. it's like, no one is safe. Um, new characters or legacy characters, right. which is it's, it's interesting because they, like you said, they, they completely subverted that. Yeah. Um, and higher body counts, which they didn't do. <laughs> the kills were gnarlier, but I. But the body count was not as high. Yeah, I'm not. It didn't seem like it anyway. Everybody has a new gut wound. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, they, they, I think the violence was hard. They can show off their new scars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I Chad, think the violence was Um I will say, right, it's got one I, for every six pack, basically. Yeah. I will say I wasn't sad that none of the main characters died, but I would not have let Gail's storyline just kind of be curtailed the way it was. Mm -hmm. I would have made it a more definite thing and maybe have her at the very end uh, save the the dynamic duo that show up and scare off Ghostface. Mm -hmm. Maybe have a little bit of symmetry between her death and Dewey's death, you know, that way. And that they're mm. both die protecting. I like that. Oh, so like kill her off, but not in the scene where she was likely to have been killed off, but like have her come back later and then and then die in the end. Or or just Ghostface makes one more attack at the end there, and they kill each other basically. Uh. Yeah, well, I actually forgot like that. that line that oh we have a bulls. I thought Gail died for some reason. I forgot that they said that at the end of the movie. That's uh, what. That's why. Yes. Honestly, I feel like that might be just like a punched in thing where they're like, yeah, we definitely like. They might have like cut a deal with her. Like, do we have you for the the next movie? Because mm-hmm. right, obviously, like if things are live, not secure are with Nev Campbell. In? Yeah. Are you coming in for the seven? So let's actually um, let's. I'm going to come back to a couple things I want to talk about. Well, let's actually talk about just the handling of legacy characters and the very obvious uh, lack of Sydney. I have to say, I was very concerned about that. This movie totally worked without Nev Campbell and I adore her, mm-hmm. but they, they made it work. I don't think it was a, her, uh, oh, um, you know, omission was 
oh, wow, well, thank God she's not in this movie is going to be better. They just did a really good job of, oh, she does. She doesn't feel comfortable coming out here because uh, she wants to stay with her husband and kids. That's all they needed to say. I'm really glad they didn't kill her off screen because I would have been fucking enraged. Mm-hmm. And um, and they did a good job at just kind of, OK, now we're we're in the story. It's handled really well, I thought. Yeah, I didn't miss her presence. I mean, like, I enjoy her character, but I didn't like, yeah, I wasn't like getting through the movie and being like, dang it, where's Sydney? You know, oh, this is good. Uh, but yeah, yeah, exactly. And I yeah. and I do. And again, like the same way that it makes sense that Tara would want to move away from what's happened. Like Sydney's been trying her entire life to be getting away from this. So it like, you know, it's not out of character for her to be like, yeah, no, I'm just going to hide away with my family and just please leave me alone. And writing, <laughs> yeah. Writing wise, it made sense because she more or less says that at like at the, at the, yeah. the, the end of the movie, she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go home. So, yeah. Were you about to say something? Uh, uh, it felt jam packed with characters. Honestly, I don't know if we needed another character. Mm-hmm. They would have okay. had to make room, I think, if Nev Campbell were to come back. And a lot of room, so, too. Nev Campbell's not a small presence no. in yeah. the Scream franchise. Yeah. So they would have had to devote a lot of space and lines and time to include mm-hmm. her. Whereas it wasn't necessary this time. Okay. So when you say jam-packed, do you feel like... Obviously, we knew that there was going to be at least some legacy character from the last one. And so if Nev Campbell was going to be this, Courtney Cox is going to be. Do you think that Hayden Panettiere is Kirby? Do you think that was kind of shoehorned in or did you like um, her inclusion? A little bit. Um, I, don't, I didn't feel like her character was necessary to the plot. Um, mostly just there as a red herring, honestly. Sure. Um, she was an interesting plot driver for sure mm-hmm. in certain ways, but she wasn't, necessarily the plot itself if that makes sense like oh i i think you're right i um i really like her character and i think she's uh great as kirby but Mm -hmm. they could have that movie could exist without her and it would probably be just as good this the same um I think, and I will gladly admit that uh, I reacted positive to this. I think she was there for fan service. Oh, I was for it. I was for it. Because we're fans. Yeah. And I I think it was all justified when you have that scene with um, her and Mindy. And then they're, they're, they're talking shop about their favorite horror movies. And it's kind of like, oh my God, it's the, it's the two cool horror movie fan characters. Uh They're, They're talking like the only way that could be better is if like, Jamie Kennedy like came, rose from the grave and was like, I'm here now too. Cause you know, but kidding, but, uh, so that, I'm curious uh, too, if they brought Hayden Panettiere in because they couldn't get Nev Campbell, like if that was another, like, Oh, that they did, um, her character, obviously it seems like it was written into the, the movie. Well, not in like a throw it together kind of way that the survival of Gail Weathers seems kind of like, you know, a little bit, but, um, uh, because uh, to an extent, Kirby's character doesn't feel all that necessary because there's already the cop character with um mm-hmm. the dad, yeah. and um, uh, so like yeah, I'm kind of curious if they brought her in so they could have another legacy character when they got a no from them. Right. I always have a hard time too with the whole like. I mean, I'm sure this exists. Obviously, I'm not a law enforcement expert, but the whole thing, and it's such a movie trope. Well, I work for the FBI and I have an interest in this because it happened to me. 
And so I decided to come down here and offer my help to these these NYPD cops. (laughs) And now I'm going to stick around because I have a special interest to help them out. And it's like, uh, yeah, that doesn't, it always strikes me as a completely unrealistic. um, And I'm curious. But it was fine in this, but. Because the, um, and I just, I can't for the life of me remember his name. The the, the dad cop guy. Um, (laughs) Roni. Yeah, that's the actor. <laughs> sure. Um, he's the handy dandy uh, Wikipedia says. Um, oh, I remember his name was Wayne because I thought, really? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Wasn't it's it Wayne? Detective Bailey? Isn't that Wayne his name? Bailey? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, um, so yes, uh, he at some point, and of course, uh, spoilers, we <laughs> later find out that uh, he has other uh, intentions, but he tells, I can't remember if it's Tara or Sam or all of them, um, that Kirby was like released on because of some sort of like mental health issue. Um, and I'm curious if that was actually the truth and he wasn't actually lying about it or if he, so like maybe she like did get, you know, so she just showed up and was like, well, I got nothing else to do. So I'm glad but. you brought that up because uh, I wondered that same thing, but I took it as like he was bullshitting to totally could have throw them way. like throw them same off here. the scent. Just yeah, um, trying to add the extra red herring. And then like, yeah, and like yeah. make her because I really didn't feel until that moment that the filmmakers were putting her as a red herring i agree that she ended up being one mm-hmm. um but there was nothing really about her that struck me as like mm, she wasn't on my suspect list no until well, until that moment so that seemed like a character driven red herring i agree yeah because i mean like uh leading up to that i mean there's no real reason kirby would become ghost face you know like, well, i mean we do find out that she's been specializing in this type of killing so maybe you know delusional things happen when you study you that's know, fair things yeah. like that. and traumas yeah it's a, a real really thing. weird yeah. thing um i will say and i mean we can talk about kind of what we think uh where we think this franchise is going but i would kind of love a survivor to eventually become a killer in this and then lean into that like trauma created this monster sort of thing and like this it's ripe for the picking. They they, they could do that. It's, they not surprising so. that. it's surprising that they haven't done that already. Mm-hmm. And that was essentially what my theory was. Well, yeah, they, into this I, movie, I think so. that's probably where it's going to go. Or at least they're going to try to lead us down that path and maybe subvert it. Yeah. Um, but so in that regard, I... I wouldn't have been surprised if, oh, the red herring's not actually a red herring. Like, she is the killer. Um, because I think that's a logical thing that they haven't done, so they could do it. Um, but I I, I enjoy, ultimately enjoyed her inclusion. And, um, and it's interesting that you asked whether or not she came on board before or after the Nev Campbell exit. Um, I don't really know. I do know that they made a big deal of, like, announcing that like Kirby's back. Mm. Um, so it makes me kind of think that maybe she was always intended to be in this one. Totally could have been. Yeah. I mean, but, it was a thoroughly like she was a thorough character. In it, so. Yeah. And I enjoyed the fact that there were two cops, two authority figures, because I always assume mm-hmm. like if there's only one, okay, well that's the bad guy. Like the authority <laughs> figure is always going to be at least in some way, not what you would hope they would be. They're always going to be something that is going to disappoint you potentially in a horror movie. Either they're not going to show up when you need them or they are literally the bad guy. That's kind and of in this one. We didn't know who 
would be. That's kind of different for screen movies. The screen movies, the law enforcement tend to be the good guys. Well, sure. Like working on the cop in the third one, like they basically kind of reveal that that's who Sydney's married to. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah. And then like, um, uh, the dorky cop in four and five, the, the blonde gal, do we obviously like, yeah, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. That's kind of a, this is the first time they've like completely turned that on its head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah they I, don't have Dewey anymore. So they need somebody in that authority role. Can I bring up another red herring? Let's actually, I, you know, that's our next talking point. So yep. let's, let's, let's do it. This is going to be a little bit out of the blue, but what from you? No, for a second there, <laughs> I was convinced that Gail was one of the killers. Why? Because she just finds the killer's lair out of the blue and they explain it away as I'm really good at my job. But like, she this, is really this good at her job. job. Appar- <laughs> apparently. Um, but I was like, this feels like too much of a coincidence. To me. <laughs> so I didn't think yeah, that, but now that you mention it. Brandon's like, the, Gail, I've got your number. <laughs> I think there is, there is some, there is something there because yeah. If they ever wanted to do that, um, and I don't know if I would like it, but if they ever wanted to do that, they could even go down a sort of like, she's always kind of a content monger, you know, yeah. she like, cause they even, you know, that's why Sam and Tara are at odds with her in the beginning of this one, because they felt bonded. And then she went ahead and wrote a book when she told know. them she wasn't going to. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> like, what if, you know, she survives this and kind of, she could maybe it's not even a thing of like she like kind of goes nutty from trauma maybe it's a thing of she's survived so much of it that she's like well the ultimate book would be if i you know make my own story mm-hmm. um i think it would be a stretch i don't think i'd care for it but yeah, it, I, I, I think there was yeah. there were tracks to kind of what you felt that's so not crazy i don't <laughs> think so no i th- no. Okay. i think it would have been a leap yeah, but for yeah sure. But I think the whole, I think you're right. There is a potential like horror narrative about the, or the idea of like someone that basically who reports killers becomes a killer because they need the next story. Basically. Mm-hmm. I think that is something that I would like to see in a horror movie, but it, yeah, I don't think I would, I would kind of be a little annoyed if it was one of the main characters or something like that. I, and it feels it. like it would need to be delicately handled and like yes. almost as a better idea for a completely like, new ip like that needs to be written just around its own idea because i think i think it would be a hard sell of like that now, gail, that gail weathers would make that because she from the beginning yeah. she's always been into the having the spotlight on her and like mm-hmm. she's always you yeah. know sought that but she's had years and years and years to turn to be the killer and hasn't done yeah, it yeah you know, as so. the ten, most tenured survivor now too it would be that would be a big big leap yeah she has yeah. a pretty strong moral compass when it comes to life and death too i think like, I think I think yeah. that might be a bridge too far for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. A new IP in which a true crime writer sees a niche in the market and decides to create their next topic. Like that could I'd totally happen. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. not in the Scream franchise. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, obviously, you just need to write that screenplay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> As a who's ready to make a movie, guess. <laughs> uh, I think that the biggest red herring for me, and it was... 
he was so obvious a red herring, but it, it, you need that in a, in a screen mm-hmm. movie is yeah. Danny, the, the secret boyfriend. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Although the, I was thinking, okay, red herring going to be cannon fodder mm-hmm. and he, Neither yeah. survives. Well, he yeah. is a red herring, he but yeah, herring, he, but he's he survives. Yeah, I, I was really surprised by that because usually, because let's see here. So, did any potential red herrings? So, say so there was him, there was Kirby. I think there's a case to be made for for Gale. Mm-hmm. There was the um, the brother who was on the train with Mindy. I forget his name. Who actually does end up being a killer? Ethan. Ethan. But he, like but, you, they start him but, out as a red herring. He like so he's not really a red herring though because he's but the real he's thing the and he gets thing. killed. But yeah, that's true. yeah. So I I don't I don't know. But they they set him up as a red herring. And then I feel like we kind of crossed his name off the list. I don't remember why exactly. Because he saves the quote air quotes saves Mindy. Yeah. Right. Okay. Which he's like. Yeah, I I do love the kind of like when when this revealed, you kind of have that thing where at least that's how my brain works. Where I like kind of rewind and be like wait a minute dude definitely like stabbed her in the gut a bunch of times like got lost in the crowd took off his outfit like oh no you got stabbed (laughs) (laughs) which is so fucking sinister um okay so am i missing uh i feel like that was it i don't feel like they did a whole lot of red herrings i think they just came up like the same red herrings came up multiple times well i think like dad cop kind of was a bit but he was ended up being yeah ended up being a killer it ended up Um, like i remember thinking at one point that it was weird that he was working a case where he knew the people involved yeah but i was just explaining that away as they technically pulled mm -hmm. him off the case once his daughter died yeah but even Um, before that i was like they would totally not let a real cop do this but i was like eh, maybe it's just hollywood writing you know yeah that's a good point that's a good point so i just Um, i i let it slide but i apparently i shouldn't have right (laughs) yeah i think the biggest red herring which uh, this that is another scream thing where it's like they they do the intentional red herring and then try Mm -hmm. to like was was the brother where okay then now we're going to try to get you to believe oh no 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 actually i was wrong it's not him oh no of course there's a reason why everybody thought he was the killer because he is the killer um what do you so i don't this is kind of a red herring in terms of like trying to swerve everybody. What do y'all think about the daughter Quinn being f- fake murdered and then brought back at the end? I thought that was kind of creative. Oh, um, I I didn't I didn't see it coming and I didn't. Yeah, I it was definitely a, was one of those like, oh shit, okay. A red herring to her her life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was the a murdered red herring. <laughs> She was the one that was having all of the sex in the beginning and so fulfilled uh-huh. that rule where the person <laughs> who has the sex gets killed. Well, and, and so then, we just kind of dismiss it. I mean, remember, they even were like, oh, she's she's banging that Don't guy because there's yeah. like, yeah. A, oh, oh, yeah. like, wow, rough so sex. Wow. When Mindy's uh, describing the rules, she's like, and you, you're kind of a slut. And she's like, sex positive. <laughs> <laughs> like, so they talk about it and then do it in front of you. And then it turns out that that was just all fake. Yeah. them being obvious mm-hmm. about it in order to get you to dismiss it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it seems like they do that every movie because they did in in the last one they do that with richie being like oh yeah i gotta like watch all these stab movies I, oh, i've yeah. never seen them no. and he's like <laughs> like they they was right there in front of you yeah. you know or oh well, I, i'm dating the the girl that you know a killer's trying to go after it was it was very intentional but i kind of like that when when these movies 
they they sprinkle the breadcrumbs out there and they're they're showing you the trick but then they're still subverting you and like so you're like oh shit they they got me that good old close-up magic oh yeah i love that yeah um let's talk about sam and tara's relationship i thought that was a very interesting thing because (laughs) end of scream five they're close as can be and this one starts off with uh sam has been hover mom and Tara's clearly dealing with her trauma by wilding out and, yep. um, you know, engaging in some not so safe behavior. And a lot of the movie is them working through their issues all while Sam is still talking to her, her ghost dad in her head. Mm-hmm. Um, and this ends with them becoming closer than ever. What did everybody think about the journey of their relationship? I definitely like the focus on that more because it's like, uh, like I said, I, I can speculate all I want about like, oh, are they fleshing out uh, Tara's character because Jenna Ortega is a lot more of a star now. But whether the case be, I think they really made them more fleshed out main characters. So I, they're I basically agree. co-leads at this point. Yeah. Um, and I think it's smart just because like as as I can, uh, as every kind of movie progresses, you kind of see the characters learn, improve. And of course any actor will come back if the writing's there. And I think the fact that they get some good scenes, better character development, some really good like uh, scenes to act in, like I feel like that is definitely a better focus on because even though we know who the characters are, it's good to have like that growth and those check-ins and those, um, I think kind of showing the characters are trying to basically said overcome either trauma, how, how you handle them differently and the fact that they're both sisters is kind of like this duality. You basically see how two people with the exact same thing handle it differently. And I think mm, that makes yeah, it more a of point. a richer, I think, just chemistry. I mean, of course, you basically have two sets of not literal twins for Tara and Sam, but you kind of have just two sets of people, basically. Which to- is really unique for a horror movie because yeah. usually familial based relationships don't last long. They yeah. haven't in, in these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and f- uh, for the fact that there's two sibling pairs that have survived now two movies and now have become this, you know, like group of four main characters is pretty unique. Cause I don't think that there's been like repeat horror movies that have had those kind of dynamics. That's only one of them always it's, dies. It's, yeah. yeah. It's unique. Yeah. Any other thoughts on their relationship? Um, just briefly, I did like the dynamic of, of them going from sisters in the first setting to kind of more mother-daughter almost, mm-hmm. or at least uh, caretaker-child kind of dynamic. And then at the end, it feels like they kind of come back to sisters again. Well, they, yeah. yeah. Equal um, playing level, yeah. And I mean, and it like kind of with what Jimmy was saying, it makes sense that they would make Tara a more like well-rounded, developed character and kind of prop her up as about uh, on equal footing with Sam because mm-hmm. like the whole, the whole reason Sam is even theirs to try and look after Tara. And so it's like Tara. So like they kind of create foils in the sisters mm-hmm. where like Tara is like, mm-hmm. no, I want to move on. I don't want to dwell on it. She's I just feeling wanna, stifled. Yeah, yeah. I want to, I want to move on with my life. And so I'm going to go and do the things that I want to do. And then Sam is just following her around to try and keep an eye on her and be protective mother bird, you know? And well, so let's be honest, even though she was hover momming, she was a good sister for 
taking a taser to a date rapist's balls. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. She, that I mean, was fucking awesome. She wasn't yeah. in the wrong. Obviously, protection was needed. But yeah, yeah no, that was that was a pretty dope scene. That scene. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to taste your balls real quick. This is my favorite line. <laughs> I'm so excited about it. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, Excuse I, me, I'm just going to taste your balls real quick. Real quick. <laughs> oh, sure thing. Thank you for asking. Folks. Yeah. I know, I know it's cheesy, but I did like at the very end, too, with the whole, I need you to let me go thing. So she literally lets her go and she just murders. Oh, that ruled. That was awesome. No, I like, I, I can see what you mean, where it was like, kind of cheesy, but the, the dual meaning of oh, that, yeah. like, was, I think... I think right yeah. on point. Yeah, I liked it. I assumed it was written that way so that Ethan didn't think, oh, she's going to flying knife me next. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah, this is all metaphorical. She's letting her go metaphorically. Oh, no, she no. literally and she has a knife now. Yeah, he seems surprised. So I, I think he wasn't expecting it. But mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I stark. The other <laughs> dynamic that I that I really enjoyed, and we don't have to go super far down this road because I, I want to get uh, predictions for where we think this is going ultimately. But I feel like there's there they left this movie with them their relationship in such a good place but Sam's darker uh desires are like bubbling so strongly to the surface that like they ha- they definitely are are giving the audience a little bit of like winky sort of like they're happy for now <laughs> and i i really enjoyed that because oh it's as sick as it is like it it just seems you know it seems weird if there's going to be more screen movies that these people are ultimately happy um so <laughs> i you know you're not wrong no <laughs> how, how can how will i be entertained by their suffering if they're, if if they're, they're not happy. suffering yeah. um no but in, but in all in all seriousness i i do that it can maybe be, I guess it can be considered a little schlocky, but that kind of like Hitchcockian sort of like, you know, that was the last time they were ever happy. That that mm-hmm. kind of setup I I really enjoyed in terms of um leaving things kind of open ended because at this point I don't think they've announced a seventh one, but mm-hmm. I'm assuming they are gonna have one. Um let's talk to the mask let's talk about the masks belonging to the killers and the shrine thing yeah. which i thought was unique especially before it's you know revealed what's really going on mm-hmm. um any thoughts on that um a countdown is always an effective plot device yes yeah like it, the ticking time bomb sort of thing mm-hmm. and especially when they when they suss out that like oh it's you know, it's going in reverse. It's going back to the original. So, like, he, Sam's going to be the last one. It's also kind of like a Chekhov's mask where, like, they establish all these masks <laughs> yes. and you know they're going to be reused again later. Or at least the Chekhov's knife, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, when I, when I introduced well, that, I'm Chekhov's like... Chekhov's whole costume. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Che- the whole, the Chekhov's whole shebang. Yes. Chekhov's kit and caboodle. Yes, yes. But, like, I, I just saw this. I'm like, this will be a good set piece later. Yeah. Um, right when they... It, but I kind of liked it because, seeing you know, the whole series is based on, like, fan culture. And I feel like, well, collection... That's basically something I haven't really de- delved into yet. So this is kind of a fun little new niche that they're because basically, I mean, the series is getting on like thirty years, almost thirty years at this point. So it's yeah. sort of like they might as it's basically become history. Um, so it's kind of fun that they're they're the commemorating museum outside of the town that it all happened in is kind of a funny, weird concept though. <laughs> well, and it it it's 
steps it steps things up from mm-hmm. the mere fan, you know, because they if if they were going back to that well, they have to like they have to outdo it. Um, yes. And, you know, merely just like, oh, well, we love these movies and that sort of thing, which they did last time. Like they had to go one step further. And obviously, like we can get into the fact that it's revealed this is Richie's collection from the last film. Mm-hmm. And I think that's okay that yeah. it, it wasn't like a, a completely new thing, but just that those items, that collection, were then utilized in these killings and that how those were procured mm-hmm. were because of his dad, who's revealed as one of the killers, um, stealing evidence, which that's a bit of a stretch. Let's, yeah. let's admit it. But I, I was fine with it. Yeah. If he wasn't a cop, I'd be like, okay, okay, scream. But I, they explained it away with being a cop. But just because you're a cop, like, how would he be able to access evidence? How could you get Woodsboro away with stealing that much NYPD of it? cop? And, yeah, that would be a better argument for the red herring of um, what's her name, Kirby. The, uh, Kirby, the FBI agent, because she would maybe have access to more of those artifacts than anyone mm. else. But at the same time, mm. okay, like, so why? like. Why is a victim wanting all this stuff mm-hmm. from seeing their own fall? Nothing right. suspicious there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I guess like uh, like a bit of a um, greater jurisdiction, I guess. Uh, yeah. yeah. Or just yeah. more swagger, like going to walk into a police station. Oh, I'm Detective Kirby. I was involved in these, you know. Uh, like, uh, what, do, what do you guys have in the vault here? You know, yeah. oh, I really like that. Stuff uh, under their shirt, walk out. Or, yeah, something like that. Anyway. And I guess some of it can maybe be explained away with, um, you know, there are sometimes from murders and, you know, true crime and everything. There are some items that that become not evidence that like, I mean, it happens all the time in real life where like people auction off like fucking gross stuff from like Jeffrey Dahmer's residence. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, there's a I don't know if any of you all saw that show um, about yeah. him. And then, yeah, that was a whole plot line through that that really happened where his personal effects and everything were auctioned off and um a just regular civilian thought that was so horrible he was rich he bought all of them to burn them so it didn't have to like hurt the the uh victim's families um Hmm. So I, I I think some of that can be explained away kind of in this. Definitely not the evidence, but, no. but you know, there was like, because the they were, there was like, um, you know, memorabilia and that kind of thing. Like, I feel like, you know, one of the things that I can be explained too, um, there are only, there are certain rules around evidence uh, retention. So if the case is solved, they don't have to keep that stuff forever. They can dispose of it however they see fit. Um, that makes more sense from the earlier. It's movies. weird that you know that. I mean, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right. Where's your shrine? <laughs> yeah. Can you can you turn the recording off for a second? <laughs> I have no reason. Strong uh, segue away. I need to throw away that SD card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why are you closing the curtains? Yeah. I enjoyed the visual metaphor of it taking place in a theater. Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. Just like the second one, because the second climax, mm-hmm. the climax of the second movie takes place in the college theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, stage and then there's also a stage and a theater and a curtain and all of that in this and who doesn't love it let's come back to the parallels to number two i really want to talk about that yeah yeah who doesn't love a a scene where somebody's running around a spooky old movie theater (laughs) yeah it up to the creepiness um 
especially when you know there are other ghost face costumes there um the shrine was interesting i think the more interesting thing was the utilization of the masks like in in mm-hmm. every subsequent killing mm-hmm. and the countdown they were, thing like, dropping masks from previous yeah, killers. yeah i dry breadcrumbs yeah i found that to be incredibly um intriguing and then also where it went with with Sam's character, you know, donning her father's costume mm-hmm. and then like having that at the end, that that struggle of, OK, do I I kind of want to I kind of want to keep this. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think that really justified everything because I think it's sort of been interesting. But the fact that they looped it into her inner demons. Mm, good stuff. Uh, let's let's talk about the Scream 2 parallels, because mm-hmm. I think the last one, w- there were a lot of they kind of they kind of did the Force Awakens thing where it's like we're going to do some fan service callback stuff to the to the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not as heavy handed as like Force Awakens, but this one felt like they were doing some callback stuff to two with the kids are in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, the. A parent being a parent of a former killer being one of the killers mm-hmm. that it's, there was some interesting parallels that I I gotta think that they were on purpose. Oh yeah. What does everybody think about that? Like it? Dislike it? Pick up on it? Sounds like Rachel picked up on it. I mean, just now when I was watching <clears throat> it, I wasn't thinking anything more than like stab, stab, Ooh, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But now that I'm thinking back on it, it's like, yeah, there was the boyfriend, and you think that he is involved somehow, and turns out that he's not. He just happens to put his shirt on and survive in this one. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he has his shirt off for like the first half of the movie. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Good looking guy. I yeah. mean, like, you gotta have some man candy in there too. Usually I iron my shirts with a shirt on, but this guy just doesn't. <laughs> What's well, that it's that movie trope where like it's if it's a hot dude, they have to iron the shirt they're going to immediately put back right. on. You never wow. hang you never hang it back up. It's you know like clearly you don't iron ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. One piece at a time, pop it on, go about your business. Movie trope. Yeah. <laughs> Any other thoughts on the Scream 2 parallels? I'm, I'm always for those kinds of parallels. As long as they're not too heavy handed with it, as long as it's like a light homage and not a, you know, scene for scene replay or something like that, then I'm totally fine with it. I love that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, I thought this was like very subtle. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I think they did it well. It wasn't something that was like, yeah, I think there was some good throwbacks and some commonalities but nothing that was like oh they're just recreating scream too <laughs> yeah yeah there was nothing that if i didn't know a lot about the scream series that i would see it and think they're referencing something but i just don't know what it is yet i didn't get yeah. anything like that it was it was tastefully done i agree tasteful let's talk about that killer reveal we've we've kind of already uh discussed a little bit but Ultimately, it's revealed that um, Ethan is a killer. Quinn is alive. She's a killer. And the cop is their dad. And they are all the family members of Richie. And their motivation is that they want to kill these folks because they killed Richie. And uh, the the dad uh, talks about how he kind of regrets fostering Richie's obsession with the stab movies. Um, but he has to kill 
Sam and Tara because they killed Richie. Um, again, you know, parallel to Scream 2. So this isn't a completely uh, new motivation. But the thing that I lost my mind about is three killers. Finally, three killers. I was so happy. I haven't done it yet. Yeah, three killers was a huge surprise and the Quinn coming back. Because, I mean, like they could have even done all of that and Quinn still have died. Obviously, it wouldn't have made quite as much sense because that would have been that her brother or her dad killed her. But um, but like, yeah, Quinn coming back to life def- or not having ever been dead, I guess, um, definitely blew my mind. Uh, it was one of those like the Jesus of the, the screen oh, franchise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Six days later. Um, but um, they uh, yeah. So like that. Yeah. They definitely did enough, like, even though there was a lot of, com- like, there was commonalities in that with the second one, like, it was, they did it in such a way that I was just like, oh, holy shit, okay, I didn't see this one coming, <laughs> like, it surprised me. Well, and then they, you know, like you were talking about earlier, they turned that whole thing on its head that, you know, up until this point, police officers have been a... You know, a source of good, in, right. at least in the Scream universe. They're, sometimes they're inept, but there hasn't been an out-and-out, out, you know, bad police officer. The most they've really done is kind of maybe use cops as red herrings. I think the, oh, for sure. the most heavy-handed one is um, um, McDreamy in Scream 3. Oh, I they they like definitely <laughs> paint him as a, as a creep at, uh-huh. at first. But um, so I like that, too, because... It is it is ripe for the picking that a cop would have a certain level of access to, you know, not only the potential victims, but evidence happenings going on. It's like, yeah, yeah, you are afforded a, you know, it, it's like I think that's what makes it scary if we're getting into like kind of, you know, sort of reality based storytelling that's terrifying to me because okay. police officers have a certain level of power that regular civilians don't. And so, you know, the fact that they went there and exploited it in this movie is, is I think, well done because it's scary, in my opinion. Well, yeah, I mean, especially because like they had come to trust him so much with his, you know, feeling like he was there to help and like taking his advice and going into places based on his advice and stuff. And so like, yeah, they've come to trust him so much that, yeah, you're just like, Oh, well, fuck. (laughs) And they watch him grieve too. Yeah. So they assume that he's on the level there. Like that was truly sad and it was well done. Well, and then again, another instance of the filmmakers, like, here you go. We're showing you what's happening when he's like, well, I lost a son too. Mm-hmm. Like they, they tipped their hand. Like, hey, but, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And I think um, like the group we went with, I, I, a couple folks said that that tipped them off. That Was that anybody here? Cause I, no, no. Yeah. So, okay. So you were, you were expecting him to be. I wasn't expecting him to be the bad guy. I just assumed when Quinn has that line at the beginning, that's kind of a throwaway that says like, after my brother died, my dad didn't let me out of his sight or whatever, got really protective. Mm-hmm. I do remember so, that being mentioned. Yeah. yeah. So then I thought, okay, that brother's going to come up again because usually there's some sort of revenge, family tie, <laughs> like there's some sort of, like if something's mentioned in the beginning, it's going to turn out to be some sort of motivation in the yeah. end. Yeah, and there's sure. going to be some connection sure. that they're like, oh, my gosh, they've talked about You're that looking the for time. the foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but I didn't I didn't see who it was or how it was going to be employed. But, yes, I got a good, healthy dose of Chekhov's brother. <laughs> <laughs> 
Revenge is always the the main motivator for these killers, right? So, I mean, for the not, most not, not always part, because there's been like always, fame mongering or yeah, like we have true. to write our own movie. Um, but it definitely ties back to the original movie, at least where uh, Stu was in it to get revenge on Sydney for her mom. You know, no, Billy off, was Billy. Billy, Bill. sorry. Uh, yeah, trying to get revenge on them. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and the other guy was just crazy. Uh, he was in it for the ride. It, it made sense to me in that way that it was kind of a vengeance motivated plot. Um, and then was number two vengeance motivated as well? That yeah, definitely is. For and, sure. That but, was but it, it's Billy's half, mom. Half and half because Billy's mom is kind of using yeah. Mickey as a means to an end because he's like the he's doing the whole thing of. Oh, we're going to blame it on the movies. Right. And he wants yeah. like media attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but so she's, mix, yeah, but she's yeah. like, I need a second person to help me get my revenge. So yeah. I, but it, it also kind of ties into where I hope three series is going. Mm, yes. <laughs> so uh, I will say this reveal, it surprised me because, um, and even though it was like, oh, okay, Richie's family. That tracks makes total sense. Um, even though that's been done, I'm, I'm cool with it because there were so, and I think they were purposely doing this. There were so many suggestions with the, like the, the collecting, the utilizing of the, um, the other, uh, other killers. Yeah. I thought that like, they're going to have the, for the first time, like bring some, a killer back that we, you know, and they try to explain something like that they survived because there's all the I'm sure you've all heard the rumors of um, it was even the last one that like Stu Stu's the killer. And they're right. going to find some way to bring Stu back. They didn't do it in the last one. So I thought, are they actually going to try to do that in this one? Because that would have been surprising. But then it, it like lot like logically is a joke because sense. there's yeah. no way he would have survived no. that TV falling on his head and being electrocuted thing, no. which also the, they even used that kill in or well, the TV. Yeah. 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 yeah the, that, and that's that movie. same TV. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I was so like, they were, they were really trying to get you to believe like, okay, there's, there's a reason that, you know, this character is focusing so much on legacy in the past. And I thought, are they going to try to, are you going to try to bring somebody back from the dead? And that's why they're doing this. So when they then revealed, I'm like, Oh, okay. They did try to bring somebody back from the dead, but in a different way. Mm-hmm. So I was still surprised. Um, and frankly glad that they didn't try to do a, a major stretch by bringing back. Yeah. I really a, hope they don't do former that. killer. I, it would be surprising, but I, I, I think that it would be hard for me to suspect, Spend my disbelief. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they to... hit those notes with the fifth one when they brought back. Is it Stu Mocker's house that the final scenes yeah. of the fifth one yes. takes place and in? Yeah, that so ruled. you get you get the nostalgia, you get all the good feelings possible from bringing somebody back from the dead in that way. Without all of the, well, how did that guy survive? Not to mention, we already have a character back from the dead with Billy, yep. yeah, like living rent in free that, in his yeah. daughter's head. Yeah, so I, that yeah, freeloader, <laughs> I, uh, fobbing, mooching on his daughter. <laughs> Let's actually quickly transition into that. So, um, obviously, they established that in Scream Five. They double down on it um, in this one and have more uh, of. 
of Billy, you know, talking to her. Just force ghosting it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so thoughts on that? Like, I, I've um, I've heard some critique on on that. I I liked it in the last one. I liked it in this one because it would be weird if it wasn't in this one because with clearly her level of like disassociation that doesn't get that much better that quickly and i don't like it but at the same time with you they established it they can't just drop it because half the fans may not like it or a bunch of the fans don't like it and we all know scream is nothing but is is of course a grand reality story i mean like we know that for a fact no it's there's nothing grand about it so it's like if, if like freaking people can get stabbed multiple times and survive, of course there's a ghost dad. So I'm like, I'll, I kind of will hold my tongue about the whole ghost. Well, but my- <laughs> I see the thing is though, is we're saying ghost dad and it's funny, but like, I think the only reason it works is because it is her like disassociating. Yeah. And, and if they, but if they did do the whole, like, like get into the supernatural and he was a quote unquote ghost. Yeah. That would be, that would be majorly jumping the shark. And, and I think yeah. they're, they're stopping right, right at that point mm-hmm. by doing the she's the only person that can see him it's all in her head it's not mm-hmm. supernatural yeah and of course i'm not a psychiatrist so i can't really speak on like behalf of that end of things regarding like her seeing something that's not there but like it's i think as long as they're minimal with how they use uh him because i feel like that's a trope that could if it's used too much I think they need to be on that line, line very carefully. I uh, feel like he was in this one less than the last exactly. one. That's what I mean. It's yeah. like if they just don't show too much of him. Like I don't, he shouldn't be like a, um, I don't know, like a I'm trying to think of another movie trope that like whispers advice and like, like I don't want him to be like a Jiminy Cricket type character. That's, or that's oh, like, like the devil conscience. on the shoulders yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely seems like a trauma response more than anything because he comes back in the, those high stress scenarios well, like. or like a survival response. Cause yeah. he, he like guides her through surviving, but it's, it's never like, I'm here to save you, baby. It's more like, you Get know, up, it, it's, you're strong it's, enough to do. Well, this it's got a bit of, of like a, a Palpatine thing or like, you know, like release your anger. Like he's, yeah. he's pushing her trying to like, he, you yeah. know, like he, there's even lines in the last one and this one of kind of like, you know, like I'm paraphrasing, but something to the effect of like, you know, Become who you're born to be, mm-hmm. and, and do it, do it. Yeah, grab my yeah. knife. <laughs> no, and <laughs> she she is dipping into that, but only you know in in ways that like help save her and dispatch a killer. But obviously, the the suggestion is like, when is it going to be? I'm going to dip into this for funsies. Um, Can we get into that? I, unless anybody else has anything to say about the Billy thing, I think uh, this is a natural or the the killer reveal. Mm-hmm. Let's let's. Uh, Pretty sure I was in the bathroom when Billy came about in the yeah. Let's which let's, means uh, it's not overused because you were very speedy. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and and talk. Um, you know, predictions for where this could go with a, a seventh one. Take it away. I'll uh, put my hat in the ring and say I really hope they turn this into. Kind of like a vengeance killer, almost like a Dexter type character mm. who's getting revenge on killers um, and kind of turn it around a bit. Maybe, maybe not as a main thing, but as a like a spinoff or something like that. I think it would be really cool. I see your vengeance killer and I raise you. What if that's how she starts, but then she likes it too much? Ooh, OK, because like they, they've already established she, she's already she already is a vengeance killer. Yeah. And like, yeah. and every time she's killed somebody, 
girl gets way carried away uh-huh. way carried away so maybe you know like maybe she starts tapping into that in what she feels like is for good reasons and for vengeance but it's you know it feels too good yeah. i could i could get into that Dark i don't know if i would be into the whole like like whole hog vengeance killer but I, I yeah, like, they, they would need to do it their like own that. way for sure. I wouldn't yeah. want them to clone Dexter or Batman or Daredevil or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It would definitely yeah. need to be within the Scream world. Um, I could even see there being a situation where she inspires other Ghostface killers to come out of the woodwork, and you know, she has to go clean up the Ghostface killers as Ghostface kind of kind of thing. I don't like mm, like yeah, like justifying killing them because they're wearing a ghost face outfit or something like that. Maybe yeah, th- yeah. disassociative kind of thing. Like, because you could even go somewhere with maybe when she like if she ultimately goes like just f- fully you know off the rails. Maybe it's one of these things where like she was it's it's her like birthright. And, you know, like no one can be Ghostface because my father was the original Ghostface. <laughs> so I'm the only one that like. How dare you stand where he stood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like I was molded by it. You are exposed yeah. to it. Yeah. There, there, I think there could be something, something there. So all credit due to. So yeah. you were the, uh, Amanda, you were the first one to kind of really like pitch this whole like this potential idea which clearly they they went into at least teasing us with that really heavily into this um but yeah you after we watched the last one you're like i have a prediction for the next one and and basically kind of lay yeah, out this plot I, the assumption that yeah sam was going to uh her trauma was going to so negatively affect her and she was going to give into these visions of billy and just become the murderer <laughs> yeah and i still think it could go that direction i feel like they have um, to they're teasing it way and they, too and heavily they did yeah that that like struggle with dropping the mask at the end of the set, the last movie she and of course she drops it in the end but the struggle's there to begin with it's like mm. <laughs> yeah i i assume that something like that is going to happen but it's going to take the form of the reveal at the end is like I was dissociating the whole time and oh, I yeah. didn't realize I was doing she, the killing. Like she thought the fifth So that was my, was I was gonna say, that was my initial thought during the fifth one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, then it flipped I think when, it cha- when it changed. Yeah. I love that. And I think a way to maybe do it is. It'd be hard. But I think maybe a way to do it is, you know, she's in the protagonist, you know, place mm-hmm. with her sister. And then maybe they've got the killer dead to rights and the killer's like reveals well your sister's my partner he's like what do you and mean? then ma- you maybe doing? then she has that realization like she's completely disassociating the whole disassociating the whole time and isn't even aware of it but then you have that kind of like it, it can be a dangerous place writing wise but then you kind of have the that sort of trope where okay now we're going to have some flashbacks and reveal what was really yeah. going on and it's like right. oh she's there I, I think that could work editing and writing wise but they'd have to be careful because it it has been done at least that kind of like memento style sort of right. you know mm-hmm. uh sort sort of yes 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 
It could work though. Yeah, one TikTok theory that I saw online, and it's it's got like a little bit of this, a little bit of that to it. I don't agree with it, but I think it's at least interesting. Where it's like it's basically what you just pitched, or when you pitched, basically the whole idea that like oh the the new ghost face admitted that oh well she's been with planned this whole time, and or and some horrendous murder happened. Everyone points fingers at her, and she's on the run. And the rest of the movie is her trying to solve it all by herself, basically without mm-hmm. the support of her team. And I'm kind of hmm. like, eh. like I I could I almost don't want to have like a um I don't know I I don't think I would would like that theory even though it's interesting because they it lean makes way it, too hard into like the core one, four thing exactly and also one character holding the whole movie like being chased by the, the the other three members it's like I don't or two if one of them gets killed I, I don't know it's like it seemed like an interesting uh like sentence pitch but then really there's a few holes to where how it could basically hold your attention for a whole story. Um, but it seemed, it was interesting, but like, that was just the only thing that kind of, I saw it seemed like kind of dabbling in what y'all were pitching, but I, I'm pretty open to anything for the seventh one, honestly. So my wish list would be, cause this one's been successful. I would hope that those studios and producers go crawling back to Nev Campbell and be like, Please, here's money. Uh, you know, we're sorry we didn't, you know, like appreciate you enough and tried to, you know, not pay you enough. Please come back because I honestly, I I think that Scream is the most consistent horror franchise ever. There hasn't been a shitty one. Like, even, you know. The, there's, even there's the worst been, isn't that bad. Yeah. Yeah. And so my fear is. I mean, you're 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 right. You're riding uh, the the blade of a knife like you. it's just the wrong one wrong move. And this could be Halloween ends. <laughs> and I'm really concerned about that. And as a fan. And so part of me, I, my bold prediction is or wish is that this one's the last one, because I, I'd rather it end on a high note than continue on. So I. I would, if I were them, I would try my damnedest to get, I mean, I'm guessing they're going to have Courtney Cox back mm-hmm. since her character's uh, alive, but you never know. Contract negotiations go wrong. That's what happened with Nev Campbell. But I would try to get them both back. And personally, out of the two, I would kill off Nev Campbell because it's Sidney fucking Prescott. Right. And I, I think they should totally do the Sam and Tara thing, but I think Tara needs to kill Sam. Dude, mm-hmm. she has to. She like has to. A- and Jimmy's right. Uh, she is a huge star now, mm-hmm. and it, yeah. and I feel like like killing Sam because she's the killer. Like like actually go full yes. force and yeah. Sam- like, I, no, yeah, she has to like yeah. put her down. Or it could be a big dramatic turn to be like Tara kills Ghostface, not realizing that Sam. Uh, yeah, because I I so, really think that they are they're trying to set up the, like to rip the audience's hearts out of their chest yeah. be, oh, yeah. with that whole journey of them like being disgruntled and then like coming together in a more loving relationship. It's well, they gotta do it. I like Matt your theory about like uh, her dis- Sam disassociating and like having uh, planned this with another killer because and then not remembering and not remembering yeah. it but because of the idea that like she, I Sam wouldn't be able to bring herself to kill her own sister so she'd have to employ somebody to do it um, and so like that like that would be the spark but then she would disassociate it the entire time and then yeah in the end 
maybe both ghost, you know, both uh, killers are dressed up as Ghostface and Tara ends up killing Sam. Yeah. You know, or you could even incorporate Brandon's idea of maybe she, you know, resorts to this. Like maybe there's, you know, kind of like how this movie started where there's like a couple, you know, jerk offs that are like, yeah, we're going to become famous and do it. The memory of these killers Mm -hmm. or whatever. And then maybe instead of, you know, where this one went with those dudes were dispatched by, you know, the killers, like maybe she's, you know, okay, I, I have to, dive into this this dark part of me fully to protect my sister mm-hmm. and that's the justification mm-hmm. um and then that it just gets too, yeah. way out of hand yeah but yeah i i think i would like it f- to be the last one i would i would really like some finality uh frankly not to get into a halloween ends podcast but i kind i they did give me dead michael i i will Give them that. <laughs> but I honestly thought that the most poetic thing would would be if Lori died too. Mm. And I always kind of thought that if I would like to see Scream end that way. Like I think Sydney needs to die in a heroic fashion. Um, I mean, I think you're right for the series to end. Sydney needs to die. Like I think they'll continue making Screams as long as Sydney's alive. Um, well, they might even be, or as long that, as they but... can get, as long as they can get her, and they might. You're right; they might still continue even if they do kill her off. And that's but... why, my, why my wish is this one's the end because. Yeah. I, but I don't know if it will be, especially with how with the Jenna Ortega factor, where it's like she's money. They might be like, well, mm-hmm. she is now our city. We don't need yeah. Neff Campbell. Yeah, I do. They, I do hope they make a seventh one because they, they left. Have to. They left way too many yeah. characters alive and well. <laughs> it doesn't sit well with me. <laughs> and I mean, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it was a cliffhanger ending, but like, no. it's a major setup for a future, uh, for this, a future installment. Movie, yeah. All, all the way through felt like a middle movie to me or a middle book or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Like, it was, I like that. There was a lot of setup and not a lot of payoff, especially in the like character deaths department. Yeah. They're setting that all up and saving it all for next movie, I think. I mean, they've got to follow their sequel to the requel rules at some point, right? Yep. Up that death count. Yeah. Well, and then and also like legacy and new characters, you know, and I guess maybe that their justification were new characters were those just kind of random cannon fodder uh, characters that they're like, oh, here, there's this new person here for five minutes. They're dead now. <laughs> um, so let's let's get into final thoughts. Um, I want to know everyone's favorite kill. Let's go around the table. Oh, um, final film and then final kill, or just like or fi- uh, first uh, final. Uh, well, we're just getting we're. I mean, I meant final thoughts, just kind of wrap, wrapping this up. We're, okay. we're going to start with favorite kill. Um, I'll say I'll go first since I kind of uh, clarified the question. I would say it's. I definitely would say my honorable mention before I get my favorite one would be like the uh, the character of one second. I, I keep saying his actor's name, not the actual like name of his, his uh, Tony Reviello's character is Jason. Hmm? Yes. The, 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 nerdy, the nerdy. I forgot the that was his name. That's yes. got to be a nod to yeah. Friday the 13th. I, right? I kind of I liked even I just kind of like just the, the, the way New the York yeah. killer is. So he's come the, on, he's the kid that I think that that I thought was talking about the rules at the beginning. In the beginning, yeah, be, yeah, that's his name's Jason, and like, uh, and I liked those. I like the death of those two as an honorable mention, just because 
one, they're kind of a weird riff on the Jamie Kennedy's character. Like the whole is that someone that really knows the whole uh, genre of horror and how it works, but they use it for evil versus Jamie did it for good. Um, mm, and like, like, but also, I mean, I'm always on Letterboxd and so the fact that they mentioned they riffed on Letterboxd in the beginning of the movie, which is a movie uh, review site, kind of like IMDb meets Instagram. Uh, for a lot of like and like Goodreads, yes, yes. Yeah. So like and so okay. I like that subtle wink, but like I thought that was just a fun little, really unexpected, like kind of throws you off your toes, throws you in the deep, and right in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my favorite one, just because I think it was probably the most clever set piece, um, was this almost rear window esque approach to like them seeing the killer across the way and then escaping through the ladder from one room to the other. I think that was probably, even though I didn't like lots of tension. Yes. Yes. Lots of tension. This movie movie definitely upped the stakes and was the most tense. Cause I think you all made a good point earlier where there aren't that many literal kills. So the one that actually I know that died uh, was the, the one of the roommates going from one room to the other. Anika. Just because that was, thank you. I couldn't remember if that was the actress's name or the character's name. Um, character's name yeah. is Anika. And like, I basically thought that was probably the most tense. You know it was coming, but like, it's been a while since I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Like the whole time. So I think that'd be my favorite honor mention to the movie Nerds Getting Killed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Brandon? Uh, my two favorite kills weren't actually kills, it turned out. Uh, was it Marcy? Mindy. 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 Thank you. I'm terrible with names. It's a favorite, favorite stab. Yes. Um, so yeah, that, potential that was, kills. The, the whole scene was great on the subway. Just I think that's my favorite tense. scene yeah. by yes. far. Um, and then the, is it Quinn that's the roommate that? Yeah. Yeah. The that, sis- was, the that was sister. the other favorite, but neither of them actually died. So I don't think they count. I, I'll, they, I'll give you a pass. Near okay. kill. The yeah. Quinn you think is dead for a long time. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 I'll give like you a pass. Like a good 45 minutes mm-hmm. you think that she's. It was a good head fake. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I likewise, I'm going to claim the subway scene because it was so tense and uh, just an interesting take on uh, danger because there were so many people around, but nobody mm-hmm. noticed a thing. I, but again, not a kill. I don't care. It's still my favorite. That's fine. Yeah. Yep. Um, my top kills were, uh, so the scene where they're going from the bedroom to the bedroom over the ladder. And yeah. when he's, when Anika's on there and she's not going fast enough because her legs all fucked up and he's like fucking with her and like sh- shaking the ladder around. Yeah. It just feels so quintessential ghost face. Like just the way he's Very like fucking mouse. with her and, and yeah. like, like yeah. being like, oh, am I going to do it? Am I going to do it? And then flips it and Enjoying obviously she falls to her death. Um, yeah. And then obviously the tenseness of that scene and everything was really good. So like it worked up really well. Um, and then I can't remember if this is the shopkeeper or who, but somebody gets a knife right into the cheek, like up into their nose. That is my favorite kill. That's the therapist. That's the therapist. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just, it was just one of those like, oh, Oh, you know, like it just gives that visceral reaction. Yeah. So I I really enjoyed that. Yeah. That's my favorite kill due to its like brutality, but also the setup where, you know, the knock on the door ring, Mm. ring, you know, uh, doorbell ringing or whatever it is. And then that the cinematography of that frosted glass window and then Ghostface comes into focus uh-huh. and he can see him and then he doesn't have time to react and then breaks through the window and stabs him in the face. Yeah. Fun fact. I was in a movie with that guy. That's Henry Turney. Oh, yeah. oh, was it in that Christian movie that y'all did? It's not uh, really a Christian movie. It's yeah. about a guy that like 
thinks he talks to God. Okay. Uh, but like, <laughs> I know that sounds really Spoilers. condescending, but. Spoilers. <laughs> thinks he talks to God. Well, yeah, I, I. I, uh, that's a story for another time, but yeah, I, I read his book. He wrote a book and that's how he became famous, but really bad movie, um, called conversations with God, but Henry Cherney's a good character actor and I liked him in this. Um, and he, he died well. Yeah. <laughs> he, he died well. That was a good one. Uh, I don't know. I had a weird, kind of like misremembering where I kept thinking like, since I've seen the movies with gaps in between, I kept thinking that they would have like the voice actor who does the voice of the of Ghostface do like a non vocal cameo in every movie. Mm. That, am I like misremembering that? Do they do that at all or no? Like uh, the guy that does the Ghostface voice. Well, doesn't he do like an in person cameo in each movie? Like where you don't realize it's I him. I don't know. I have no idea. Okay, I, I think I kept thinking, is it like one of those like uh, Jeffrey Ratzenberger and Pixar movies where like, hey, oh yeah, look for him in each movie? That I'm like, I must have. I'm like thinking, I think I'm making that up in my brain. Uh, but like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you might be. Okay, let's get a rating from mm-hmm. everybody on this movie and then we're going to end this by ranking this one with okay. the other films but let's yeah. start with the rating let's hear it folks we're out of 10 right what we're out of 10 yes so we're going to guess the IMDB and then give our rating or um, we used to do that before with movies sometimes w- mm-hmm. well let's we're going to we're going to guess the IMDB okay. but let's let's get your your rating but yes I'm pulling it up and we can we can confirm. I'll go first. I think it was probably about a seven for me. Um, okay. It fe- it did feel a little bit like a middle movie in some ways in that there were a lot of loose threads and mm-hmm. um, things that were set up but not quite paid off. Uh, still good character development, good interaction amongst characters, lots of good red herrings, lots, lots of great ghost face just fucking with people, yeah. which is classic. Um, so yeah, solid seven, I'd say. Okay. I, I'd agree. Even though I'd like to do half numbers on like IMDB and, uh, you can letterbox, but like, but because it's like whole numbers, I'm going to do seven out of 10 as well. Agreeing with a lot of things Brandon said, but I think what puts this, I would say like, it's a good in between movie, but I love the fact that they put so much emphasis on just pacing, tension, mm-hmm set pieces because they they kind of know you as the audience you you know that there's going to be some sort of twist reveal you know it's going to be one of the newer characters that might be the killer you know so you might as well have a it's like you know how the that the ride's going to end at some point so you might as well enjoy the ride and i literally knew how it ended because i i walked into the wrong theater with uh andrew and <laughs> that's right what happened was oh, is God. i was on my phone looking at the oscars because they were announcing the winners before the movie and i was just following people i knew i'm like oh yeah i was talking to katie <laughs> and andrew walked in and i like walk in i see dylan mcdermott and i'm like wait a minute and then, and wait, then you, mean, you mean dermot mulroney yeah, dermot mulroney <laughs> yes same, same 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 guy same guy no. uh but like uh i walk in i see him and he's saying my my poor sweet boy and i'm like nope bye and i literally was gonna <laughs> run in to warn katie and andrew but right when i picked her in the corner they're already at the top of the theater and i'm like ah, no, fuck i'll them. figure it out yeah yeah well, then, and then i ran outside and then like oh they're all were like we just saw the ending of all the kids oh <laughs> my god so that's I when i realized oh there's beside one, myself one. okay um and so then i'm like that's why I was relieved that even though I knew how it ended, um, at least like, there was more than one. <laughs> yes, I at least had a, at least I would say I even though I knew how that it was going to end with the cop being one of the bad guys, um, and there was more than one. I at least the path leading to it was very tense. Frankly, more tense than I've seen Scream go in a while. Like, uh, and I think there's a lot higher stakes. So I think 
uh, yeah, I think a good solid, solid 10 out of 10. Uh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Seven out of 10 for me. Okay. Um, thoroughly rewatchable, enjoyable, um, not uh, kind of taking it any directions that I felt uncomfortable in. It was just a solid installment. Yeah, uh, seven. That works for me. I uh, well, I so I'm trying to think too because I think I I can't remember what I rated the fifth one at, and the fifth one I think stuck with me a little bit more mm-hmm. than the sixth one, just as far as remembering it. <laughs> um, but um, the but yeah, I I, I really enjoyed um, the way they subverted a lot of expectations in the sixth one, and. Um, I mean, they thoroughly surprised me with the killer reveal and there was some good, maybe didn't end up as death scenes, but some good, you know, maiming that went down and, mm-hmm. yeah. um, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I, and then it did set up, you know, the possibility of another movie without it being like, a, oh God, we're going to do another one of these, you know? Right. So, um, yeah, I'm good with a seven, seven out of 10. Well, it'll be unanimous, which doesn't happen what? often when we do these. Cause I, uh, also am going to give it a seven. Um, Ooh. I, uh, you know, what's interesting. And this is, I think this speaks to the consistency. Um, I was quickly checking what I had given some of these prior films and I have both scream Two, scream Four. And Scream 5, all at 7s as mm. well. Um, and the only kind of dip for me is um, Scream 6, which, or excuse me, um, Scream 3, which I gave a 6. Mm. And uh, then uh, Scream 1's an 8 for me, mm-hmm. um, which honestly, out of enjoyment, that's more like a 9, right. if I'm being perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 if I'm stacking it up in the annals of film history, that sort of thing. But right. Sometimes you can't just go off of enjoyment, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> so if it was enjoyment, I would say this movie, Scream 6, it would be an eight because I, I had a, an absolute gas. It was mm-hmm. so, so much fun with being with friends and and seeing it live. And there was some really wild stuff. Um, like I said, the cold open, just that oh, it's just so good. subverting expectations and that like I was blown away because I'm like, dude, all bets are off. Yeah, that floored um, me when they were like, well, let's reveal the killer right now. I was like, yeah. what are you doing? And even though it was, you know, undone, I, yeah. I was totally fine with that just because it was so different. Um, some of like this, like we were talking about, some of the set pieces were really great. The when I also have major love for the subway scene. I think that was mm-hmm. the best scene. Um they really utilized the nature of the setting, just like the claustrophobia of mm-hmm. the space, oh, the yeah. amount of people, and then like the lights flicking on and off. It was, it, I mean, that is how you craft a horror scene. Um, so yeah, I, it's, it's a solid seven in terms of just, um, you know, overall, like kind of critical ranking, but I extremely solid film. I, I, I really, I had a couple minor critiques, but I was very impressed and I'm, I'm happy that it was, um, they keep being, uh, good films. So let's get your guesses. What do we think this ha- currently has on IMDb? IMDb tends to have a lot of waves of knee jerk ratings. So I'm going to guess it's a very weird point something number, not a whole number. So I'm going to guess it's probably like 8.2. Uh, like pretty high is my guess or maybe mm, 7.8 7.8 out of 10 is my guess 7.8 yeah okay I was gonna say 7.7 okay I have no idea what those monsters are gonna do like (laughs) one day to the next so uh uh 
Bye. 6.8. Oh, okay. I think people are going to be unnecessarily harsh. Okay. 7.2. You're the winner. It's a 7.2. Oh, oh, yeah. I had figured that they probably were slightly in line with what we were doing, maybe even a little over just because people get super stoked about things. I mean, people obviously criticize things a lot and the people who tend to speak up are the ones that are criticizing, but this movie is so fresh right now that the higher ratings tend to stick. Well, yeah, really good and pe- uh, like feedback afterwards. So. Yeah, yeah. And people rarely. Sometimes I do when I write, see a movie, a rewatch a movie, or I see a newer installment of a franchise. Well, I'll revisit my ratings uh, before, and I'm like, okay, do I really see it that high? And but I think most people rarely. Well, I know you do, Matt. Sometimes you'll probably update ratings, but like most people probably forget what they've. Oh, I I, I do frequently. Yeah, yeah because. So, yeah. I and so actually I'm kind of glad that we we didn't actually we weren't able to do this podcast until like a couple weeks after the fact because I will say I am definitely a victim of recency bias sometimes when I watch a movie and I really have a good time with it. For sure. Um but I've thought a lot about this movie and I I I I don't know, my feelings haven't really changed on it. Um and so and it it wasn't I think we're past like the super recency thing. Yeah. Um, Cause I kind of, wor- I worried I had the same thing going on with scream five, but in the lead up to this movie coming out, I rewatched that enjoyed it even more. I, I don't, I, I would like to rewatch it. I haven't seen it again since we saw it in theaters. Yeah. And- I don't think I'd made necessarily like bump up a rating on it, mm-hmm. but it didn't have a drop off for me. And I, I, again, I think that's why these, these films are so consistent, which yeah. uh, leads me to, Let's rank the franchise now that we have a new installment. The franchise as a whole? As a whole. Like, give me, uh, let's go, let's go um, worst to best. Ooh. I don't. Mm. Yeah, that's let's, like let's saying that's end with the positive. All like enjoyable. Let's end with the positive. Yeah. You guys want? Give it Does to Does anybody me. else want to? Go for it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, you know what, actually? So let's build up our own tension and drama here in the podcast. <laughs> let's all go one at a time. So we'll all say our worst, then we'll go into the Ooh, next okay. one, rather than every person okay, rails okay, off okay, their okay, entire okay, list. Okay. okay yeah. So go ahead, Brandon. Bottom of the barrel for me is still number four. Uh, I, I remember you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I remember you telling me that. I, yeah damn, so i don't it, agree <laughs> so yeah me and brand i remember now me and brand were very similar rankings actually uh he mm-hmm. and i had fourth as our it's still good it was just yeah i just i just had it's just probably was i enjoy them all so i don't want to say it's my my least favorite but the worst it's just yeah and the 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 correct half of the table says that number three is yes. the worst one number three is, <laughs> number yes. Three is the worst yes, one. yes three <laughs> okay the correct no. half of the table uh, yes now now next Number three. And like, I'll admit, I enjoy the hell out of number three by just how really kind of dumb and like really just kind of, it's just so. It is the silliest yes. one. But I sure. think what made me not put it at the last one, even though I'm aware of how flawed it is. I'm very aware of how flawed it is in the whole arc of the series as a whole. But I think something about how 2000s it is makes me kind of like that part of Scream the most. And I kind of missed that in the later 2010s when the fourth one came up. You kind of lost that 
that charm of like the, how dated it was. Uh, but Brad, Brad watching it years after it came out. Like uh, Grand, I, that, I agree that with you that it's, it's the last one that feels like a, a time yes. capsule. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I think I am, I'm aware that I have like more latency bias, where it's more of, I saw it later to, almost late too late versus right when it first came out. Probably. Oh dude, I saw that in theaters. Yeah. I was way too young. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, your but, second is third. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. Four, four, four for me. Yeah. yeah, definitely four. Yeah. Okay. Brandon, did you say your same? Same as Jimmy. Third. Yeah. yeah. Third. Uh, this is proving to be quite interesting. I'm glad <laughs> that we're doing it this way. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Now it's gonna get real weird. <laughs> Next one. Now Next it's not two. so obvious. <gasps> Number two. <gasps> what? Yeah, bro. I I honestly have a reason. Middle of the pack. Uh. No, that's okay. That, yeah. Like yeah. this is. See, so uh, like. Interesting. I, I honestly have a recency bias for this franchise. Okay. It's it's tricky because okay. like I, right. I mean that is yeah. I like five and six pretty equally with some hairs between them neck and neck. So like I could interchange where they're at either or. Um, I'm gonna say six. Yeah. Well, I didn't get mine yet, but like uh, well, well you're thinking oh, too long. I'm yeah. jumping ahead of you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say I'll put it. Uh, I think a hair and hair five as my third place. Yeah. Okay. Well, technically you're fourth. Yes. Yes. We, we haven't had top, we haven't top three yet. Fourth. Yes, yeah. yes. Six. Yeah, six. It's hard because they're so close. It's hard. They are. Yeah. Six and two are close for me. Same. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to have some, some caveats when we get to the end of this. Yeah. Um, but, uh, okay. So now we're in top three territory. Number six. Brand. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the third. Yeah. Six for we got, me. We got a, a two, two twos two over here. Twos. Yeah. Six for me, just because I think what puts it a hair above five, I think is just the fact of the set pieces and just how much more tense it was. Because I'm like, oh, I actually feel there's a threat going on more in the sixth one because it just okay. the stakes felt a little more higher. Even though I, like Brandon said, it does feel kind of like a in between. Like, isn't it's not that not, that yet, not no, no stream film standalone besides the first one, but it's like there's a lot more of okay, this is a setup for potential to come. So, but I'll put that a little above five, I would say, in terms okay. of the order. So four, three, five, six so far. Yeah, I'm going to say five, and it's really mm. close. Yeah, really, really close. I can um, ask, I can change my mind next week probably because it's neck and neck. Yeah, yeah, it's. Like I said, I think that would be it's, my caveat is I think six, five and two are so close in quality. So close. Yes. Yeah. So it's yeah. hard. Yeah. Yeah. Where I, I don't. They're like a chunk by themselves. Yeah. And I think yeah. I think five. I'm just going to move on to number two. I think five Go being ahead. in second place for me mm-hmm. is a recency bias thing. I think two may That's hold fair. second place if it wasn't like I wasn't such a. And I I did. I thoroughly enjoyed the way that they were like revamping the series uh, mm-hmm. with five. And so it's, I think that's why it holds its second place with me. Yeah. The reason the fifth movie is in second place for me as well is pretty much solely because of that set of the house at the end and how that mm-hmm. was revealed. It was really cool. That was so yeah. well done where you start inside, you don't see the outside and right like, away. Oh shit. And then they Mind like, blowing. yeah. And then they go to the kitchen and the stairway and they get the people out of oh it. Gar- and then it's the revealed. garage death too. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay, that like movie's the, so good. They managed yeah. to make it rolls. not the city of New York this time, but just a house in Woodsboro, a character that for a fan is, yeah. Oof. A good one. Uh, 
five is my second saying, choice as well. I'm um, guessing that's where you got it. Similar, yeah. similar reasons, also just touching character and endpoints like Dewey's uh, final moments. Are you yeah. sure about that? Pretty sure. <laughs> uh, I, uh, hold, I, it's still in my back pocket. We're gonna end, we're gonna really end the podcast um, with that story. Oh, but I, I, I love Dewey's arc and and uh, just the, the whole like they they did such a good job of not holding on to the past and not just launching into the future, but kind of building a bridge. I feel like in number five. That's mm, what made it special I like for that. me. I like that. Yeah, and like I think too, uh, it's my number two. I think just because I think I just even though there's like re- some really good continued filmmaking that we've seen in five and six, I think part of me just really likes Scream when it's in like that '90s, early 2000s aesthetic. But granted, I'm aware that it's more of a latency thing. Where I think it's more of a I like time. I'm I'm a kind of a sucker for time capsule movies, regardless of how. Uh, that's what I was saying earlier. I think yeah. the first three definitely are. I know, and I think that's the I think that's more of a charm thing. Like I love late sixties movies, the more psychedelic, the more I love movies. It's kind of, kind of a weirdly encapsulated an era. Mm-hmm. So like, I think, but I remembered last time we did the pod, I was like, I could go either way with, I think five or two being my number two. So I think I'm by, so I feel like we did about five and six, but that's so I'd say number two is still my number two. Yeah. Same for me. Um, it, and I want to just reiterate that again. It, I, five is so good and i was so impressed with 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 six i mean if i was really going to i think the the way that i could kind of like really break those apart because since imdb has whole whole number uh ratings right now i've got all those on a on sevens uh with my account but i think i would do something more like scream two is a 7.9 for me Scream 5 is a 7.8 for me. And Scream 6 is a 7.7 for me. Like, I, I mean it, though. It, it's, I, like, it's minor incremental. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, maybe Scream 6 is, like, 7.6. But it's it's still really, really close. And I even have Scream 4 as, as a 7. I think that is a flat 7. I, I wouldn't... I, I think there is a quality difference in that from those other three I was mentioning, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And it sounds like everybody's number one is number one, and you uh, don't have to be kicked course. out of the scream squad. My number, three, <laughs> my number three is my third one. <laughs> <laughs> I just changed it, but without telling you. Yes, you so don't mess bef- with the classic. Uh, before we completely wrap this up, we do have to talk about one thing, is it and the story? one is going to feed into the other. Okay. So it's not a podcast with Brandon on it without getting a Z score and your Z score led into such a delicious (laughs) prank and story that we're going to relay to the listeners before we ended up the story of how I am not a very good friend. (laughs) Okay. So so Z score. Let me preface this by saying this is a modified Z score. Modified by liquor. <laughs> and it was a theater <laughs> margarita. Before that, there were several beers. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. We, we went to a brewery beforehand and were there for like two and a half hours. Yeah. Also, it was kind of warm in there just in general. And I had a recline, like he- heavily modified Z score. Yeah. Seat warmers on the, the recliner. Seats were than the Grand's Pass Theater last year in the Town, I would say. Um, yeah. That's true. I went That's back true. and uh, watched the pieces no, no, no. that I We need your Z score first. No, I, I, no. And uh, I only missed like 20 minutes, t- like maybe 30 minutes. Okay. No way. Yeah, totally. Okay. Rachel is sitting next to you. I believe her. <laughs> so Z score three. 
Okay. 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 Low, low Z score. <laughs> You've had stronger Z scores in the I past. I, yeah. I'll take your word for it. So, yeah. okay, okay. All of that to say, Brandon fell asleep, and w- there was a gr- group of us. We were all hyped up on uh, on the movie, and uh, uh, you know, we were we were feeling some good drinks, and it was like, let's keep it going. Let's go somewhere and talk about the movie. And we all we're gonna con- reconvene at Brandon's place, and my wife and I. As we pull up, I'm like a a foot from your door and she puts her hand on my chest like, like, you know, stop. And then she just doesn't say anything and just like shows me her phone. And what does her phone say, Rachel? I'm going to let this go to you now. It's a text from me because I was in the car with Kirsty, frankly, that, uh, uh, movie theater margarita messed me up enough that I needed a ride to Brandon's house. See, see. So, hey, I am a new mother and I do not drink like I used to. You have no excuse. Uh, those margaritas, sidebar, are not good, no, only strong. Terrible. <laughs> but in the end, so much. Isn't that I, the most important thing? Uh, the friendships we ruined along the way. <laughs> so, so I'm bitching at Kirsty in the car about how much Brandon fell asleep and how even when I poked him during the jump scares. He kept snoring. And I said, we should mess with him. And so then as I'm entering his home, I'm sweeping the door open. And I say, as though I were in the middle of a sentence. And that's why Dewey had to come back and save Gail. It's an obvious choice by the filmmakers, as though I was like halfway through that sentence to Kirsty. And then I realize, oh, no, Matt is coming and he's going to spoil it. So I text him real quick. So the text that Heather received on her phone said to both Holbins, Red alert. <laughs> We're messing with Brandon and saying that Dewey is still alive. No, it said Dewey is the killer is what you texted. <laughs> yes, you did. No, I yeah, don't I, remember that. I, I remember you did. explicitly told that Dewey was the killer. Yeah, I remember that too. And then and I was like, that's BS because I woke up enough to know that it wasn't Dewey. You were so suspicious, but then like... Yeah, because well, you, you definitely did it well enough that I it erased some of that suspicion. You almost sniffed it out a few times because yeah. you were like, "Well, wait a second. I I woke up and like, and you were asking these questions, and it was like you definitely were sniffing it out. But then I just kind of kept feeding you bullshit. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. oh, but yeah, no, that was like earlier they killed him, and then it was like a second reveal with the you know There's the three a third family killer members. Reveal. Yeah, well, I'm thinking like, is there a fucking Lazarus Pit in this <laughs> franchise now? Or yeah, they ghosted that. Of course, they Lazarus Pit. Yeah. So I just dropped that grenade, quickly sobered up and drove home and just left. (laughs) Just like, yeah, just uh, I'm going to ruin this man's day and leave everybody else to keep up this charade. And then I'm just going to go home. You'll be glad to know Matt picked up that grenade and I committed hard. Yeah. To the point where I confronted him at D&D the next night and was like, so you guys were fucking with me, right? <laughs> and, I, and I love that, that you you uh, proposed it like that because you had just torrented yeah. a, an illegal stream of it and rewatched it. And then you still had to ask me, like, you were fucking my, with me, right? My, my other thought was, did I miss here? And they started talking about the fifth movie again and I just missed the thread somehow. Uh, or, or did I, I guess, get like, like some myself. weird, I like, uh, <laughs> did I get some weird director's cut that like uh, (laughs) alternate cut that's in some theaters and not others Uh, yeah Yeah. i just remember blearily texting both holbins red alert (laughs) 
It's time oh, for mischief. Also, we were one FBI's, step away from like not being in the loop. <laughs> if the FBI is listening, I definitely didn't torrent that movie. I <laughs> went back and paid money to watch it again. Yes. Yeah. So I miss good. 3D. You paid uh, more yes. money for it. Yes. I, I misspoke. Also, uh, Brandon doesn't have keen knowledge about how the FBI works and how it could protect a killer. <laughs> Even though, <laughs> even though, not at all. He knows a lot about that. He knows it's a just lot about evidence protection. And if, and if if my FBI guys was listening to this right now, just you know, <laughs> hit me up. We can work together. You know, you probably wonder what it's like to. I mean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's a perfect place to end this <laughs> thanks so much everybody for hopping on and chatting about this movie and uh i'm calling it now i think we're coming back for for seven i think the scream squad is not done yet scream squad that's all i've got for you today my screamy little nerds Thanks for checking out the episode, and thanks to my guests, Jimmy Levins, Brandon Kester, Rachel Herzog, and Amanda Murphy for joining me and reviewing and discussing Scream 6 at length. Obviously, we really love the movie, and we love the franchise as a whole. The Scream Squad is strong, and the Scream Squad will be back if there is a seventh film installment in the franchise, and I have a feeling there will be. I have a feeling that we have not seen the last of our characters in Scream and you have not seen the last or heard the last of the Scream Squad. So I, I think we'll be back in about a year or so, maybe year two. If you are digging what I'm doing here on Nerds with Opinions, make sure you're following me on social media at nerds underscore opinions on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me at Nerds with Opinions on Facebook. If you're on Spotify, if you would follow me on Spotify, Nerds with Opinions, and rate this podcast out of five stars, and preferably you'd give me five stars, that would be awesome. You can do the same thing on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you're following Nerds with Opinions, and you can actually rate and review this podcast. And if you gave me a glowing review, it really, really helps me out. And with that, I'm going to bid you adieu. As always, I'm your host, Matt Holbin, and you have been listening to Nerds with Opinions. Nerds with Opinions.